let's crack open a beer and share some thoughts. Welcome to Opinions and we are back for 2019. We are back. Regular show, Steve. This is this is our new season that, that, that we're kicking off now. I know we've, we've we've done a few things. We've done a lot of things. While we were supposedly on <laughs> leave. Break, yeah. Yeah. Um, but this is this is us getting back into our, our recording stride again, isn't recording it? Recording stride back in back in the back in the place in South Essex. Indeed. Back in the recording studio. And uh, we have a beer open already. We do. We do. We have got uh, from Hawkshead Brewery. This is um, Windermere Pal. It's a refreshing hoppy palau at 3.5% from the bottle. Um, it is as crisp and clear as a day in, in the glass, isn't it? It's, um, Cheers. Got a little bit of that caramel biscuit flavour going on for me. It, it has, and I've got to say, I mean, it's a great... It's a great beer, and I'm, I'm pretty sure I've had this on cask I as well. I think I've had it on cask and as well. I, I think it's a stunning pint of cask yes. beer. I, I think the problem that we've got at the moment is, um, on the little kickoff show that we just recorded, we, we just drank proper job at 5.5%. We're pretty much a pint of it each. True. And, and I think our palate is somewhat adjusted straight you, away to the higher Which ABV. is fine. I mean, it's a, you know, it's, nice, it's a nice fresh bottle. Um, it's got... You know, citra hops in it as well, so I'm sure they will start to come through for us. Um, and perhaps it's not quite as cold as I would normally have served it as well, just because the way our show was timed tonight from from when we caught up with each other. Yeah, I mean the beers have been in my car all day, and I thought I would have thought that that would have brought the temperature down, but I think we've hit a slightly milder day. Yeah, haven't we, today so? has got a bit milder. But um, no, thank you very much to Hawkshead for sending that through, and we've got a couple more to feature from the memory. Yeah, as we well. have. We've got a nice little uh, nice little pack from from Hawkshead, so looking forward to getting into those later. So. As I said, we've been off. It's been since we last recorded here. It's probably been six, seven, maybe almost eight weeks. We recorded towards the mid of December for the end of year review, but that wasn't like a traditional show anyway. That was almost like our abridged golden pints. Yeah, yeah. So, so haven't we actually... haven't recorded here proper since either the end of November, start of December, because obviously we did the show with Jezza. Which we and did. start of December would have been the post Crimble Cruel show yeah. in Bristol. So, so it's possible November time, mid November, since we've done proper a, a full show. format shows. So this Studio. Is when we talk about, you know, we're going to be doing news, opinions, bitterling list questions, all your favourite segments of, of the show are, are back with a, yeah. an, an, aven, an Avengers. An Avengers? You're an only Avengers. thinking about the film just because we saw the I, last I tra- latest trailer drop. 42 <laughs> seconds of excitement, which I think is going to be the last. Yeah, that I, don't, before, I don't think we'll see much now. Before Endgame. Um, so, that's that's a long time. Um, let's... let's Condense this somewhat. Well, some of the beer events. Well, what, what have you been up to? Well, I think we can all, two things I want to give a shout out to. First of all, is obviously we had the January bottle share. I didn't go. You didn't go, did you? No. You weren't there? No. But more importantly, by the time this show goes out, we will have the bir- had, had the birthday bottle share four years. Birthday bottle share. So February 2015 is when we started. Yeah, and as we recall today, it's four years to the day since we started Bullshit. Yeah. Fourth of February. Um, so if anyone looks, wants to have a little bit of a look on Twitter and hasn't seen it, there's been a few photographs going back and forth as well of the original attendees. Yeah. Um, so you might have a little bit of fun with that, trying to see if you can actually spot us all four years ago. <laughs> um, so yeah, really looking looking forward to that. And I'm sure that 
And I said, by the time everyone listens to it, we will have had a really good time with the bottle share. Um, it's the one where we don't bring anything along. You know, the ale house are so good to us. Uh, the other 11 months of the year, we just spend all our money at the ale house. We do, yeah. We buy, we, we put all the names in a hat, and when your name comes out of the hat, you go and buy your beers, either cans or bottles, from, from the bar. Yep. So that's, that's definitely something to look forward to. Um, but something I did very recently, um, and the idea came about because um, so it's Real Ale Limited offered us a couple of tickets yeah. um, for the um, effectively the Real Ale. To all intents and purposes, it felt like a camera beer festival um, up at Liverpool this weekend. And I think we also gave a couple of tickets, tickets out to a, a lucky listener as well for getting the question right I can't escapes me who won that yeah um, but obviously you clearly didn't meet them at the weekend well they never gave me I didn't didn't bother uh, they may not have been there on the Saturday session anyway I mean there was um, two on the Friday and two on the Saturday Um, so it's just quite possible they actually just wanted to enjoy Liverpool if they did get up there Uh, we went to the Saturday afternoon session Um, it was in St George's Hall which is an absolutely beautiful building put me in mind a little bit of um the town hall at Leeds for the Leeds International Beer Festival. Um, a vast array of cast beers. The bulk of them were on gravity. The only ones which um, came through the, the hand pool were a few set up by First Chop okay. from Manchester, yeah. including um, Guile 717, an oak aged, uh, an oak barrel aged barley wine infused with black currants. Um, which I had two halves of that. Wasn't that one of your first beers as well? I had it early on. Following your untapped. Yeah, I had it quite early on in case they ran out. Yeah, what could go wrong from that point? I mean, really. Well, it went wrong straight away when Michelle chose a beer. said, oh, this is really nice. I said, okay, I'll have one of those. You know, they get that early beer in, then I can start thinking about what other beers. And I tasted it. Oh, the the saint about this Uh beer. Uh Bloody Sriracha. (laughs) (laughs) Straight away. So I went to the programme and lo and behold... Not just sriracha, single hopped sriracha. Oh no, <laughs> so all the sriracha in your face. Yeah. And then the beer beside it had been infused with coconut. So it's like, <laughs> in one, one small corner, there was two beers. I did try a beer from the, another beer from the brewery, and I did have a bit of back and forth with them on Twitter as well, but it was, um, it was a bit of a shock to the system, that first beer. Um, but uh, the food was nice there. You could get like some hot uh, meat pies, sausage rolls. You get some, um, they're quite a nice little cheese canner, actually. Oh, you can't beat cheese at a beer festival. Uh, and that was really good. And they also had um, a gin bar off to the side as well. Oh, so, so doing... a bit of everything then. Yeah, there's a few things. I mean, the place was busy. Um, I, have, I don't know if I've posted too many pictures, actually, yet. Um, the hall was big. It was full. People seemed to be having a good time. We stayed there for a good four hours. And then um, we had a bit of a wander around. Um, we visited two places of note. The Dead Crafty Beer Co. and the Ship and Mitre. So Dead Crafty Beer Co., as the name might suggest, a bit of a modern craft beer company uh, sort of shop. And uh, you can get some takeouts, I think, but they also had some decent tap lines. And the Ship and Mitre, I can only best describe as um, like a 70s social club crossed uh, with 1930s Art Deco, which is rather unusual, but they had a fantastic lineup of bottles keg cask some really really good beers on there that's oh, a bit of everything bit of everything great cracking atmosphere and like i said i was in there about half five on saturday and it may have been because there was overspill from the festival because it finished at half four before the evening session and this pub had no none of the rugby on and i could there was nowhere to sit 
I, I managed to get a spot to lean and that was it. There was such a lovely buzz in there um, and I would definitely be going back there when I go to Liverpool next. It was just a really nice pub, really friendly, good mix of people and, you know, for us, great selection of beers. They're cannibal on kick. Yeah, I, I chose to ignore the picture you sent to me. <laughs> you'll, you'll notice you didn't get a response. I did notice that. To, to that particular I would have been, picture. I would, I would have been surprised if I had. <laughs> um, and, that, you know, that was, that was, that was the... Um, no, that was the main couple of things. I mean, obviously, we had Christmas and New Year. I was a bit laid up with having had an operation on my foot anyway. Yeah. So, didn't go out so much. And that was about not too much else to shout out. I mean, obviously, I think there's a few things you might want to shout out in line with Iberia Adventures. But, um, yeah, that was it for me. Yeah, no, I I mean, relatively quiet one for me. I have to admit, like I so said, I missed, missed bottle share. Um, but I did get up to uh, Sheffield over New Year's to spend some time with friends up there. Um, uh, and while I was there, I discovered once again my love for the the, the northern cask pint poured through a sparkler, um, and one beer in particular that stood head and shoulders above the rest was from Abbeydale, who uh, at the moment Abbeydale have gone down a route of, of producing some really really crafty beers. Yeah, we, we we were lucky enough to get quite a few cans from them, um, which we've, we we just before Christmas, which we managed to try. Um, but alongside that, they always they also do their. I think it's. I'm not sure if it's their only core beer, but one of their core staples is a beer called Moonshine, which is a a, a parallel. It's it's about four four point two percent, and it, it's a beer that when whenever I'm in Sheffield and I see it, I, I have to have a pint of it. And um, went to a pub uh, one afternoon, beautiful pub, roaring fire, all, all the rest of it, you know, yep. typical kind of Dow's pub, because my friends live just on the edge of the, 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 the Derby Dow's. Cool. So just where it's still just Yorkshire. They're, they're literally about 30 minutes from Buxton, so driving, and had this pint poured, and we'd had a good walk to the pub, and it went in three gulps. Uh, it was just so tasty, and the lacing all the way down the. I grass did. So I remember you posted that picture. It was just a thing of beauty. So I, I posted a lacing picture at the weekend as well. Yeah. Um, and yeah, the, the beers I had um, outside of the beer festival were again pulled through a sparkler. Yeah. So it's a massive shout out to Abbeydale for their their their, their moonshine beer, which is I, th- I think it's probably one of those. Um, you, you know the whole we're into the whole flagship February thing it's probably their flagship beer that probably gets overlooked by a lot of people for not being crafty enough may, maybe but I, I wouldn't pass it if, if you saw it so uh, that was over New Year um, obviously over Christmas did the whole 12 beers Christmas thing um, enjoyed quite a few beers as part of that also I enjoyed quite a few beers around that as well so I did have my fair share of bottles of Fuller's Vintage Ale this Christmas. <laughs> um, drank two bottles of it. I was enjoying it so much. Uh, I'm still, glad I've still got a couple of bottles of that tucked away. I, for me, still coming out at a five on Untapped. I really don't know where we're going to go when we do that at the end of the year show this year. I really don't. No, because, no but it was, it was tasting really good. Yeah, oh, I, I mean, I think it's an absolute outstanding beer. So, so yeah, and, and then quite randomly, in a, in, a, in a random twist of fate, what was your favourite local now seems to be my favourite local oh we're talking about as, that as, as well we are we are talking about that so I was in the Victoria Inn because <laughs> I'm now spending a lot of time in Colchester um, and I enjoyed a few beers in there oh lucky you as, as, as well so you, you just you just can't bring yourself to talk about it can no. you 
I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> okay, fair <laughs> enough. Um, and then, as we mentioned right at the beginning, we've also done a few uh, a few recordings uh, on other people's podcasts. Yes, because not content with uh, <laughs> recording our own show and and trying to have a break, we decided to to, to guest on 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 some other podcasts. So and one of them was uh, not related to beer. I know. Yeah, we got invited on to what's your favourite podcast. Um, the the connection was made. Uh, Jamie, the host, is a friend of Mark from Men Behaving Badly. Yep. Uh, they made the connection. Jamie got in touch with us. Said, "Would we like to be on?" We said yes, and we went on and we found out loads about each other. It was really good fun. It was a lot of fun. Um, you know, there are uh, there are a few things where we come out as having the same favourites. There are some where we are poles apart. Yeah, without a doubt. <laughs> um, and there was there there's one which probably wasn't so much of a shock. No, I don't. I don't think so. But I think um, definitely give that a listen. Uh, we'll link it through in the show notes. Um, and actually, give give all of Jamie's podcasts a listen because he just he basically just interviews other podcast hosts about what their favourite things are. It's yeah. such a simple concept. It's actually a blindingly simple. Surprise, it hasn't been done in some shape or form previously. No, or whatever. But it is good, as you know. The 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 questions really do prompt some quite nice discussions. Actually, yeah, and I like the way you get. There's kind of three rounds of questions. So you've got quick fire. Yeah. You've got what's your favourite and why, and then you've got either or. Yeah. It's quite. It's, it's a nice little. Very simple. Out. And you may be surprised that uh, the quick fire round, we were actually quite quick. We were. It was just the rest of it. It was just the rest of it. We went, went off on tangents. <laughs> um, and then the other one was we did a collaboration with River and Brews. Yep. Which I believe will be out on the 20th of February. Yep. Um, <laughs> Are you giving any spoiler alert, Steve? Yeah, maybe not all of us made it to the end. <laughs> we, we did a pod crawl and somebody might have gone AWOL. Yeah, one of us who shall remain nameless and doesn't begin with M uh, didn't make it to the very last pub. Yeah. But what I will say is it was great fun. Um, I really enjoyed the, the pubs they chose because um, I like to think I know a few of the pubs. They're not a million miles away from where I work. But it was a couple of ones I hadn't been to there before. Oh yeah, really? Yeah, and I was, I was, it was really nice, and um, yeah. it was it was a nice little wander around. It was a crisp evening, though. It, it was, and <laughs> you, you know, without giving any spoilers away, we did start the evening at uh, the new Michele bar, which I have to say, for me, I found I was quite surprised by. I'm not sure whether I said this on recording or not, because that was actually the last thing I remember was 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 the Michele bar. <laughs> I actually don't remember anything after that point. So so I'm going with somebody gave me a spiked drink. Or, oh, yeah. or, or somebody didn't, gave me a drink that wasn't the drink I ordered. Don't think they did. Okay. Um, but but so, was, so look out for that. It was really good fun. So thank, thanks, um, you know, Andrew and Luke. We really did enjoy that. And as it happened, Andrew was actually in Liverpool this weekend. As oh, well. really? Did he go to the festival too? Yeah, he went the day before. Oh, right. So I, did, I didn't actually manage to ca- catch up with him because he, he yeah. was there with some mates just for a beery weekend. Festival on the Friday, did a bit of a wander on the uh, on the Saturday. Okay. So, and, and I will just uh, take this opportunity to obviously thank the guys, but also to apologise publicly to them for disappearing uh, when when we got to the last pub and possibly ruining the whole whole evening. Well, I'm sure I didn't ruin it because I'm sure you guys just carried on going. But yeah, we did. I, I had two pints of Karski SB because we ended up in a Fuller's pub. And I ordered the beer that I knew you would have had if you had been there, which is Cask ESB. Okay. And then you didn't come through the door. <laughs> Sorry. How, how I made it home was was a minor miracle because there was problems with the trains as well. But uh, we don't we don't need to go into that. No. 
So that's uh, that's kind of the last couple of months in a nutshell. Yeah, and I bet you a few listeners would have been worried about that because that's always two months worth of beery adventures, and that's shorter than it could have been. I know. How? how what, what's going on? Is is this kind of a new us? Nah, I doubt it. No, it's I don't. Because like, it's it, because that Christmas New Year period where you're. Bit more stuff with family. It does all go a little bit quiet, doesn't it? Especially when you you get into January. You enjoy a lot of good beers at home. I mean, I certainly drank my way through a a, a good, good portion of my stocks at home. Yeah, I mean a lot. I mean, I I also had Fuller's some Fuller's vintage as well. Um, But I mean, for me, it's about the sometimes my beery highlights are purely about where I've been more than what I've had, and so I didn't do as many things as I normally do. So that brings us. uh, Nicely on to uh, the news, but before we go into the news, final thoughts on the um, that the Hawks had Windermere Powell. I think I think you made a good point early on. I think the um, it took a few sips, yeah, to get to it. Yeah, my palate's certainly come round towards yeah. the end of it. Now I'm getting a bit of a fruity dryness to it, which I feel I find really pleasant. That's the sort of thing. And again, like you, I'm pretty certain I've had that on cask. Yeah, and on cask, I think because you've got it cask, you've got it pulled through. I think it would just lift that three and a half percent a bit and that you'd get more of that bitterness coming through, but you'd still get the floral aroma at the start. Yeah. And I think that's perhaps what I was lacking to start off with was some of that floral aroma and that bit of flavour. By the end of it, I was thinking actually if we'd had a bottle each, we probably would have appreciated it even more by the time we yeah. got to the end of the glass. Certainly get the citra from it, though, yes. don't you? As, as, as I don't know whether it's single hop citra or whether it's dominant hop citra. It doesn't say single hop, so I'm gonna but go I'm gonna go dominant hop. It's very dominant in, yeah. in that. But perfectly well balanced at the same time and agree with everything you say about on cask that would be you could drink that all day long yeah 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 but I'd be quite happy to do that I've, I've had hawk's head on cask quite a few times when I when I see it I do go for it it's nice yeah so no we just needed to get into it a little bit and that's what a few people have said to us before I think you know long time friend of the show Justin has said it to us before especially like a bottle share takes that couple of sips sometimes yeah. after that last to bring beer. it round even yeah. if you have the water because sometimes the water just adds a bit of bitterness what you actually want to do is you know you just need to get your palate reset again by the same beer yeah. so no uh, it was it was nice good opener from the hawk's head excellent so bringing us into the news then we've just opened our next beer which is i'll, I'll let you introduce this because you brought this to the party tonight yes i did so um Obviously, there was some recent news about a certain London brewery. There was, which, believe us, we're about to get into. Yep. Um, so I, I had a bit of a look to see what beers I wanted to order online. Um, and this was one I hadn't actually managed to get hold of previously. So it's a Fuller's Past Masters 1981 ESB, part of their Heritage uh, series. They've done a few of these in the past. Um, but this one is uh, it's the ninth beer in the Past Masters series. And they brewed it uh, to celebrate the career of Fuller's uh, brewer, John Keeling, who retired back in 2018. Mm -hmm. So this recipe was in use on his first day at the brewery. Oh, brilliant. So they've gone back to their old ledgers, they've gone back to their old records, and they've recreated the brew that they were making, the the version of ESB they were making when John Keeling first started in 1981. Okay, that's that's a nice nod because that's also got... um Georgina's signature on the back of yeah. it as the current head brewer. Yeah. So that's, that's a nice nod that they've done there. Exactly. Almost a passing of the torch. So, you know, I thought, you know, we're, we're both fans of ESB, especially yeah. on cask. Um, so I thought, give it a try. Let's, let's give it a go then. Cheers. I mean, it looks like It looks ESB. like ESB, doesn't yeah. it? It's definitely fruitier in the flavour than I recall from having it on cask. And that was only last Wednesday I had it on cask. Two pints of it, apparently. Two pints. Well, I wasn't going to leave yours there. <laughs> um... I mean, yeah, that's 
It's, it's, it's really balanced. It, it is. It is fruity. There's like I say, it's for me. It's like there's it's fruit cake, but there's also maybe a little bit of the the, the orange lemon peel that you'd get in a fruit cake going on in that. A little bit of a kind of woody earthy finish going on to it, but actually really drinkable. Yes, I mean this says the uh, full-bodied fruity beer. Um, they don't really give any other tasting notes to be honest, but I think I'm definitely getting the fruit more than I do normally on a. So this is five point five percent. What's the what's the standard ESP? I think five to six. I think it's really okay, fairly so much a, in the same area, isn't it? So, um, but yeah, I think that's got um, some nice notes to it. I mean, must have must have been a very different beer to have in nineteen eighty one. Well, yeah, it's probably still in that um, kind of category of a bit of an unusual beer. It would have been an unusual beer, I think, at the time. I yeah. mean, I know that, obviously, the style ESB sort of grew out of it, but, you know, if you think back to what people were saying, this was only 10 years after the inception of Canberra, and during the whole of the 70s, they were still fighting, you know, what they would class as the, the dull keg beers. Yeah. Then this would have been very different. And a 5.5% beer can't have been that usual either. Well, it's, it's interesting, I suppose, in, in what, the almost 40 years since this was brewed, yeah. um, that it's only changed by 0.1 of a percent. Yeah, alcohol levels broadly the same. The flavour profile is definitely different, I have to admit. It definitely looks like ESP. It looks like ESP, um, but there's definitely more fruit coming, yeah. going on. So, yeah. wondering what's giving it the fruit. Possibly the malts, possibly the hops yeah. that, that from the time. Um, so we're obviously drinking this in um, recognition of what was probably the biggest and fair to say the most unexpected news uh, while we were off air, that the Fullers had um, sold the beer side of their business to Asahi. Yeah, so I mean, you alerted it to me on my way into work. Um and then Twitter definitely alerted me to it. Um, and then at about three o'clock in the afternoon, I thought I should do some of the job that I'm paid to do. <laughs> uh, but no, the... Um, Let's just say though, it's interesting you say that Twitter then alerted. Just once again, as, as it normally is with these sort of things, Twitter was alive with comments. But the, the one thing that seemed to stand out for me was that there wasn't the instant outrage and upset that there was when Beavertown announced that they were selling? No, um, there's probably a few factors for that. Um, and I mean, obviously, I don't want to get into the, the the difference in the parts of the country, but once you get past a certain part of the country going up, you do lose sight of Fullers. Yeah, as in agreed. As in pubs or the availability of their beers. And But flip side, some of the northern breweries coming down, you yeah. also lose sight of those. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, so you you know you may you may have a, a similar sort of non-reaction in the south if there was a northern brewery of similar ilk. Um, I think going back to your first point, unexpected. Uh, there was no one, no one, certainly no one on Twitter that I saw. I think a few people then started to do that. We did that, a few people did that hindsight thing. I think yeah. me included, thinking, oh yeah, they did set themselves up. They they bought a cider producer. They they bought a craft beer producer. They started doing craft beers. Yeah, you know, pilot kit. They'd done a bit of rebranding with yeah. London Pride badge. Um, but these things in isolation on the run up to it, I don't think anyone had pointed it out. You know, we've had the conversation who might be next, and even you know, Bulk and Bailey have written about it a few times about the 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 markers it didn't really come up. 
Yeah. No one would have put Fuller's on that list. No. On that, who would be next? No. Um, it, it, it shocked me. Um, I have to admit. Um, it's probably the first one I've been aware of since I've really got into beer, where it's a brewery. I oh, know uh, since Youngs, a brewery who run a pub chain yeah. as well. Yeah. Well, on that, let's let's get into some of the, the facts that as as we, Are we know having them. facts already. Yeah. So early in the show. Hell yeah. So uh, an official press release did go out. It was about it was about fourteen pages long. I, I think it was long. I, I did print it off um, myself as well. But so so I've, I've picked out some of the highlights, which I think are the key points that as as. As, as a podcast, we should report. Go on, so, report. So, so, We're reporting so, as well. Yeah. Then. Um, so, uh, key points: uh, sale of Fuller's beer business uh, for an enterprise value of two hundred and fifty million. So, it's quite it's quite a sum of money to have, have sold from. The price reflects a st- the strategic value of the brands of the beer business being acquired, the long term growth potential of the beer business under AEL's ownership. The value of the Griffin Brewery, as well as the expertise and respected industry knowledge of the people employed within the beer business. Now, I I thought that was a quite a key one was that the word in the value of the Griffin Brewery because as a lot of people have commented, that's a prime piece of real estate. It is a prime bit of real estate. In- Any, anyone who has um, taken a trip over to Chiswick to see Fuller's knows that um, apart from the bypass or the overpass. Um, it's residential. Yeah. And depending which way you approach the brewery, you are either coming through a very heavily populated residential area, fairly well-to-do in places area, or you're not that far from the Thames. Yeah. So yes, that would definitely be prime real estate. And you wouldn't be building a brewery that size on that bit of land in West London now. Well, you, wouldn't, you just wouldn't. No. no. You, you wouldn't have the money to do it. Yeah. Um, next point is a strategic alliance between Fuller's and Asahi, supported by a long-term supply agreement, will allow Fuller's to continue providing high-quality beer and cider offering to its customers. Uh, the proposed disposable will enable Fuller's management to focus on its pubs and hotels, which is the core of the business and where today 87% of Fuller's operating profits are generated. It will also provide significant capital to accelerate investment in the premium pubs and hotels businesses, both organically and through future acquisitions. So basically what I'm getting this out from that is they've sold the beer business so they can make the pub and hotel business even better. So they can focus on that part of their overall business. Yeah, although I would argue a part of that statement um, where it said that the pub and hotel bit was their core business. I think a lot of people would say their core was the beer. But it's a bit like football, where it's a lot of the ancillary stuff rather than the team on the pitch. Neglect the team on the pitch, and eventually all the other stuff may not be quite so successful. Mm. Um, so for me, yes, 87% of their operating profit last year, and for a few years, if I understood all the stuff I was reading correctly, came from not making the beer. It was from yeah. the money they were taking over the bar in the pub. So take the beer out, as in what they, their profit margins are making the beer. So effectively, the shareholders, the owners have got 14 years worth of profit, regardless of the performance of that bit of the business, up front and one hit. Some of it will go dividends, some of it they'll reinvest. But to still, to, that, that was the bit I had a problem with that whole 14 page was the core, because I think some a lot of people would assume that their pubs and their making the beer were both hand in hand if you take away 
the numbers. Mm-hmm. Well, the next point lends itself to that. So this is the beer business has been an important part of the Fuller's history and brand identity and in its premium beers and ciders are a key part of what differentiates Fuller's from its competitors. However, the board believes that the core of Fuller's today and the driver of future growth is the Fuller's pubs and hotel business. In the 52 weeks to the 31st of March 2018, the Fuller's pubs and hotels businesses accounted for 75% of external revenues and 87% of operating profit. It's hard to argue with those figures really, isn't it? If you're looking at just numbers, I love the way they've mentioned hotels more than once as well. Um, Because that appears to be coming up as a bit of a bigger business now. Because the counting house in Cornhill, which is one of the big ones near me, um, they're opening a what's classed as a boutique hotel. Prices are expensive, but I had a quick look from from this month. So it seems like some of these are now going to get expanded on the counting house. Used to have three floors worth of rooms. Yeah. So I assume some of those rooms, which used to be like rooms which are used occasionally, have now been turned over to be in hotel because, again, central London, you will get people who will ha- happily stay above a pub in a boutique hotel rather than staying in some sort of faceless hotel oh, yeah. with a rubbish bar, even for business purposes. I know I certainly would. And that whole mystique of staying in a hotel that's a pub. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'd, I'd, I'd still, uh, it's, it's probably quite a step down from that. I'd still love to stay in one of the. Uh, Weatherspoons that is a hotel as, as well because I think that that'd be they've got a few of those yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah again they've mentioned the hotel so they're really what they're really hammering home a lot in these messages were about and I see these kind of statements quite a lot through work is the upside on the money this is about the money yeah it, it, it seems to be um, so carrying on with that the sale of the beer business does not end the company's association with the brands of the beer business Fuller's and AEL will form a strategic alliance by entering into a long-term supply agreement for the supply of brands of the beer business and selected Asahi brands to Fuller's. So they're, they're saying they still want to focus on their beers, but it's going to be through a supply agreement now. Yeah, supply agreement, strategic agreement. Um, we'll carry on taking the Fuller's beers and our pubs and we'll also be throwing in some Asahi as well, which I don't recall seeing in Fuller's pubs. So that's a lot of Asahi that could end up in a lot of, in a lot of pubs. In a lot of pubs. Yeah. Um, again, it's talking about brand. It's talking about the money. It's a it's a it's a it's a statement more for the business world than for Joe Public or Beery people. Yeah, all fourteen fourteen. Oh yeah, I've, I've tried to pull out the key points that yeah. I think are relevant for us to discuss. Um, Iconic premium beers, including London Pride, Frontier Premium, London Lager, a variety of cast. Cross- that annoyed me. How is Fr- Frontier counted in there? Fr- hang, hang on. Capital letters, Frontier, Premium, London, Lager. All capitals. Yeah, it's none of those things, and it's shit. Yeah, yeah. So I, 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 give, I give them London Pride. Yeah, I'll give them London Pride, because that is iconic, and it has been around a while. Frontier is, what, five years? Tops. Yeah, you've just, you've just gone into a partnership with a, la- a, 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 a macro lager producer. Yeah. Your front, Frontier... I would put money on it disappearing within I'd be 18 su- months. be very surprised, but I wouldn't be sorry to see it go. <laughs> anyway, so um, also a variety of cask and craft keg beers supported by a changing seasonal range as well as cider, wine, spirits and soft drinks. Also including Cornish Orchards, Dark Star Brewing and Nectar Imports who do um, the, 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 the drink side of things. Fuller's main production facility is the H- Historic Griffin Brewery in Chiswick. 
London, where brewing has taken place continuously since 1654. Additional production facilities in Cornwall and Sussex are associated with the other brands, and a distribution centre is located in Horndean, um, and Nectar Imports has a head office and distribution centre in Wiltshire. As part of the transaction, AEL will take control of these facilities as well, so they're actually getting control of a number of facilities there. Uh, AEL is, wholly subs- is a wholly owned subsidiary of Asahi Group Holdings, a global beverage and food company listed on Tokyo Stock Exchange in Japan with a market capitalization of $14.8 billion. It aspires to be a clear leader in brewing quality and production technology and is well recognized for adhering to industry-leading standards. In Europe, AEL has unrivaled portfolio of iconic premium beers, including Peroni, Grolsch, and Meantime. Following the acquisition of these brands and related businesses of SAB Milia from AB InBev in October 2016. Oh, to be fair, Peroni are already in the Fuller's pubs. That they are indeed, but it's in and Meantime I've seen in Fuller's pubs before, it's particularly Yakima Red. I've seen in quite a few. Uh, well, the ones Fuller's near work, pubs. I haven't. The ones near work, I haven't seen in there. Certainly seen it in the parcel yard before, but interesting. So, so, so AEL are so they've got Asahi or, or their the, the Asahi group. Yeah. Um, so in addition to that, they've got Prony and Grosch, which are two major brands, but they've also got Meantime. So that's that's already kind of and they've only they've only got Meantime because ABNB have had to sell them. That's already an iconic London brand that they've got, and they've now added Fullers to yeah. it as well. Um, but I mean, both those brands are also in supermarkets. I mean, Fuller's have been in supermarkets for ages. Yeah. Meantime are in are in supermarkets, and Meantime ten have probably re- reduced their call range. I mean, you only really see the La- the London Lager and the Pale Ale are the two main ones I see, and your Kima Red occasionally. You tend not to see a lot of the other stuff these days. No, that's true. So you might see the odd bottle pop up in Waitrose or something. Rare though, I mean, yeah. that's the I mean, that's the first thing I ever saw from Meantime was the old 750 caged IPAs. Yeah, and the probably, chocolate porter. Yeah, probably one of the first one, ones. Yeah. And I suppose Meantime, do they still do a couple of beers for M&S under the M&S label? I think so, yeah. But apart from that, not no, so much, not so much on the range. It's stripped right back, doesn't it? Um, so final point on this is both Fuller's and AEL attach great importance to the skills, expertise and industry knowledge of the beer business employees. It is expected that the majority of employees will remain within the beer business following completion. However, the outcome of legally required consultation process, certain employees may not have a role with AEL. So I suppose that begs the question, what does that actually really mean for the staff? Well, that's giving them, rather than them saying on day one every everyone's jobs are guaranteed, there will be, in uh, business speak, some synergies. So we're not necessarily talking about say the Georgina Youngs of this world who's the head brewer but you may have people who behind the scenes the ones we don't see the ones who don't brew but have a very similar role to someone already from AEL marketing promotions logistics all those kind of things HR AEL are all have, the ones that spring to mind AEL yeah. already have all of those people that, that's a given do they need to double them up or do they just need to do a bit of mixing and matching unfortunately there is pr- probably going to be a bit of an, uh, a few people, but there may also be some people who, wanna, who may not want to stay anyway. Yeah. Um, having read all of that, Steve, and having digested people's comments, how, how, what's your... One, one point before I get to that. Yep. It, it didn't say it in that, 
but I'm sure I saw it reported on, on, on Twitter, so it must be true. Uh, that, that there was the question over the brewery site in, in, in Chiswick, and I'm sure, um, it, like I said, it wasn't in that statement, but I'm sure I read it somewhere that that's, that's protected or that's safe. That will remain the, the main production site for Fuller's Beers. I might be making that up. I don't remember seeing. I remember. Facts. I remember a lot of people. That's what this is all about. Yeah, facts. facts. I remember a lot of people saying, talking about it, and asking the question, and I don't remember seeing an overt statement apart from what you've just read out. Um, I find it hard to believe that it's guaranteed infinitum, purely because at some point we already know that Fuller's struggle to meet capacity at times. Yeah. You know they'd be they'd be very creative with what they've done with a lot the of their space, space there. Very much so, yeah. Um, can that continue? I mean, yes, you could carry on brewing there, but then you may decide that you then do other things elsewhere, perhaps. Uh, you know, or you just stop producing some of the stuff which don't work. I mean, obviously, a couple of years ago, Fuller stopped producing Chiswick anyway, apart from the bottle stuff that doesn't go out in cask anymore. If they decide that we've already got Peroni, SI. Meantime, perhaps we don't need Frontier Lager. Okay, we'll stop brewing that. You could see then that the capacity for what will be considered their iconic brand and maybe end up doing more of the unfiltered keg version is London Pride. Mm. So I, I would like to think it is. But I'm not sure it would have quite the same feel to it. I've done two tours. I'm not sure I'd need to do a third one anymore. Yeah. Probably would just feel slightly different. I think that's how a lot of people felt. As, as, as well with, with with this news. So, ask me the question. You was, right. You, you so, the question I was going to ask, and, but there's, I mean, it was an important factoid. I'll say factoid for now, just in case it's not a real fact. Um, how do you feel about it? We've talked about other ones before. Again, it's it, it's one of these things. I was I I was shocked when I read it. I I, I must admit, I was I was like, and like like we've said, if if, if you had written down all of the potentials on a list. I don't think you would have put Fuller's on there at all um, because they've always been staunchly independent and family orientated and it, it just it came out of left field so initially I was surprised that surprise lasted about 10 minutes and then I was like oh well it's another one gone is it going to change my view of Fuller's not really is it going to change my, my view of their beers not really. Am I still going to drink their beers? Yes. Am I still going to enjoy their beers when I find them? Yes. So I, I, I probably a whole load of ambivalence about it again because I don't think I've ever, apart from having a bit of a collection of the vintages, and that's not going to stop because I, that, that's still a beer well, that I look forward. It might stop. You don't know. It'll carry on. That, uh, well, yeah, I mean, I, I suppose it depends on whether the, the business sees it as being a profitable side of it. Yeah. Will, will they go up? Will that perceived value of them come down? The 2018s have disappeared off the website. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, I was, I was initially surprised, but then I was like, oh, well, and just, I'll, I'll still drink their beers. It's not, it's not going to change the, the view I have of them. I, I, I just, I just hope. I suppose the one hope that I have is that when I go into a Fuller's pub, I do still see a range of Fuller's beers, and and I don't just see a whole load of macro, because that that would be 
that would be a shame because they do have, you know, some of the places that we've both been to in London in particular are truly iconic venues. And I wouldn't want to be going in, in, into those and being faced with Peroni and Grolsch and all the rest well, of it. I've already got a little bit of experience of that side of it because the two pubs beside me, one of which you've been into a couple of times, doesn't have that much of the Fuller's range, really. No, it doesn't, which, which, I've, which I've noticed a yeah. couple of times we've been in there. Actually. So London Pride is a given. Oliver's Island is almost a given. And then it may be one other. Um, so I've already experienced that a little bit, maybe playing a bit to the city market as well. Um, I, this, this one probably I probably took a bit more harder then I was shocked, surprised, all of those things. But I think because I am in London quite a lot and I see the Fuller's pubs and I've always enjoyed their pubs, but I've always enjoyed the fact that I go on the basis that I assume, rightly or wrongly, that the best place to have a pint of Fuller's will be in a Fuller's pub. Without a doubt, yeah. I'm not sure I'm going to believe that going forward, whether it's right or wrong or whether it's true or whether it's false. And now is that because of the beer or because of the pub? Because the pubs are still going to be run by Fullers, so you would still expect yeah, the but same they've, sort of they've already, assurance. They've, they've already mentioned once or twice in there about focusing on the hotels. Um, they'll be focusing even more on the food side of things. They've already made it quite clear that the beer isn't where their money comes from. So that must mean money over the counter in beer as well. So for me, I, I don't go to Young's pubs. I haven't been into Young's pub for years. And there's enough of those in London still that I could go to, but I don't go into them. Slightly different because they actually sold their beer business to a completely different brewery who had then upped sticks and took it over to Bedford. Um, at the moment, this will still be brewed in Chiswick. It will be the same brewing team. Uh, I can't imagine too much drastic is going to change in a short space of time. Um, but yeah, it did. I mean, I remember I, re- I read that. I read the Fuller's book that Adrian Tierney Jones had written. It was a, it's a lovely book. I do like all the vintage ales. Um, I do like having the collection of them and I like the other ones they bring out um, I've enjoyed going to a few Fuller's tastings and so yeah and for largely probably irrational reasons I thought this one actually hit me a bit more maybe it just hasn't happened to a brewery that I love a lot yeah and at, at that'll, the that'll be the same for a lot of people but um, yeah still big news I thought um, definitely more in the south of the country than the north of the country um, watch this space and see what happens I, there'll still be bits will come out at some point uh, whether people leave or they say things have changed whatever it might be so yeah. watching brief I mean I'll see some if I see I'm, you know I had a pint of hophead the other day and that was rubbish but I can't really blame the takeover of our side because that was only a week after I mean, exactly you, you know you can't you can't get to that yet no that'd be a bit quick <laughs> so, so we, we did do a poll on this yes and this isn't this isn't our main part of the show but um we got. Uh, we asked if it was. We tried to focus more away from it being about the brewery and what had happened, and we was asking if it was more of a continuation uh, of a trend. So, four hundred and sixty-seven votes. Fifty-two percent of people said it was surprising. Forty-eight percent of people said they thought it was a continuation of a trend. A lot of comments that were very, very similar. Yes. On on this one, so we've pulled out four key ones that that we think really, really sum it up. Um, so first up from Justin Mason at 1970s Boy it's just history repeating itself only this time the players are global expansion and contraction is a natural part of any industry we just notice it more keenly and perhaps more preciously these days yeah I mean I I, I don't know I mean obviously 
as a result of the beer beer orders in eighteen in around eighty nine ninety, a lot of the traditional breweries stopped brewing beer, didn't they? Yeah. Um, perhaps people then, depending on how much they loved them, had a similar sort of feel. Don't know, you know, you know, whipped bread, that kind of thing. And definitely in two thousand and six, when Young stopped brewing, people probably had it, but maybe so lack of social media as much. Not quite so immediate in the news. Yeah. Yeah. Um, on the Young's point, uh, Ruth Mitchell at Beer Fairy, who uh, appeared on our last show with us and plied us with many different versions of alcohol, some beery, some not. Yep. Uh, the thing that marked this out for me was that it's the first buyout, as far as I know, of a company which has been around for many generations by a multinational. It somehow has a different feeling to Lagwa Beaver Time, great brewery name, um, or Young's Charles Wells. Yeah, it's definitely got a different feel. The the you know, for whatever reason, it has a different feel to it. Yeah. Um, so yeah. It was yeah. just a surprise, wasn't it? It was a real yeah. surprise. Um, Sean O'Reilly at Uncrulia said, uh, "Surprising as cask is a radical new departure for for Asahi. I imagine they are much more interested in the brand than the product, and very un- unlikely to be interested in much beyond pride and ESB." And there were a few people that went on to say about the London Pride being... Well, a, to- Tokyo Pride. <laughs> yeah, be, being a, a badge that a lot of people were interested in. Um, and then finally, from Simon Clark at Simon Carbon, after doing the Fuller's Brewery Tour only three weeks ago, hearing the spiel about the whole history of, the, of it still being family-owned, I was surprised by this news. A bit sad, but rarely drink their beer here in the Midlands. And um, I think he also... There was another comedy he made also, but he said... Um, when he was there on a Monday, it was actually commented at the time they were surprised to see so many of the directors in and around, weren't they? Yeah, so maybe it was all happening there. All that happened. He could have had a proper exclusive that day. Wow, yeah, could you imagine a Beers Without Frontiers, the Midlands podcast, <laughs> breaking that news? Breaking the Fuller's news, that yeah. would have been a good one, wouldn't it? Yeah. But again, I mean, we had 467 votes, and like I said, a lot of the comments were very very similar. We did try to focus more on you know, the continuation of a trend or is it surprising development rather than just about fullers per se. But thank you everyone who did get in, get involved. Oh, as, as always. Ever. Yeah. Um, so we've finished the uh, the ESB. Thoughts? Really enjoyed it. I really did. I, I've got to say, as much as I enjoyed it and maybe the slightly different flavours that were in there, I'm not sure I could have distinguished that between the modern day version if I was given... It, I think you'd have, be given them, you'd have to be, be given two glasses both from the bottle or two glasses straight from the yeah. cask. Um, it's the only way you could do it. You yeah. can do... Um, yeah. No, I think you might still be hard-pressed because obviously we're doing it with the benefit of sight already. So yeah. Yeah. maybe a little bit different. But it was very nice. And like I said, it must have felt like a very different beer at the time. Absolutely, yeah. Well, almost groundbreaking yeah. at, at the time. Um, so there was other news. What? Was there? Yeah. Just, just a couple of pieces. Let's, um, let's, let's rattle through this other news. So, local to us, some, some local Essex news for us. Local Essex. Uh, Fabfest nineteen is um, a, a new beer festival that will be taking place in July. Uh, it's being headed up by Fable Brewery, um, and they are bringing craft beer events to Essex. So this is a uh, craft beer festival. Um, they are um, the best vegan craft beer experience in Essex. That's what they're offering. Okay. Maybe the only. 
Oh, he's definitely going to be the only. Yeah. Uh, working with brewers from across the UK is an event you don't want to miss. For as little as £6 plus booking fee, you'll get three sessions to choose from, up to 12 craft brewery bars from across the country, uh, plus the, fab- the Fable Bar, a special pint gla- two-third pint glass, high-quality vegan food, and electronic dance music in a separate room. Now, this is taking place. I don't have dates. Brilliant. It's um, isn't it the fifth and sixth of July? Uh, July. Yeah, it's the week before my wedding. It's in Rochford. Yeah, as, as, as well. One so, of the uh, one of the sites that the company I work for manage. Yep. So it's by train from here. It's about six minutes on the train from where yeah. we're recording. Be interesting to see that. That's uh, as far as I'm aware, the first craft beer festival in Essex. I think of any probably of any note apart yeah. from. You know, obviously, we've had a few keg festivals at Victoria Inn. Um, yeah, and there were a few at the I, old Owls by Mail site as well. But this is actually in an external site. It's then not bringing in someone's beers bar. into it. Yeah. It's, it's a beer festival. So, But also, they are obviously trying to appeal to a slightly wider audience as well. They're not just doing it's a craft beer festival, because as we've mentioned more than once on, you know... But the Essex beer scene isn't as quite as evolved as perhaps we would like it to be. Mm. Um, by having the whole the, the vegan angle as well, which is quite interesting. Uh, less interesting the, the the dance room, but still could easily easily avoid it. Yeah, um, I wouldn't mind going. It's just because of the timing. A week before the wedding, I might be otherwise busy with last minute arrangements and stuff. Yeah, I but, reckon um, you will. Um, it's it's a, it's in a handy place. I do wish them all all success. You never know, it may, it may spur the creative juices of a few Essex brewers to, to get with it a little bit more. We can only hope so. My fingers are crossed. Can't we? Because uh, while we're on that, and it wasn't one of the scheduled pieces of news, but once again, note at the beginning of the year that Brewdog published their list of places they're going to this year and once again forgot that Essex existed. Yep, nothing in Essex. So, um, next up, uh, Northern Monk have rebranded. Yeah. Quite smart rebranding as well, isn't it? That they've that they've done. Yeah. Do you, do you think they needed it? Um, I'm not sure they needed it, but apparently it's been around for a while. They um they changed their little monk logo a few months back, and started putting it on on things, and nobody noticed. Well, it's easily easily done, but you don't notice that bit. But the, the main rebranding is the slightly different colours, the texture, the shininess. Yeah. That that's all very different. I, I think it does look good. Well. I mean, this is taken from the, 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 the release that they put out. In 2013, we started out uh, in a parent cellar with £5,000 and a, vis- a vision, taking what we felt was best of the global beer scene, delivering it with a northern accent. We set out to create some of the best beer experiences in the world. Um, they then went through the crowdfunding last year. I had no idea how successful that would be, but they raised almost £1.5 million in only 13 days. They've also added a new beer, a couple of new beers to the Coral Range lineup. So they've added Origin, which is a gluten-free IPA, and they've also bought Striding Edge, which was one of their patrons' beers, it's like a two point eight percent parallel into their core range as well. So um, another one bringing the small beer into their yes, yeah. Into their core. Uh, and this is where I say then an interesting thing is, despite the new logo circulating for a few months now, hardly anybody noticed uh, the fact that it's been redesigned. Um, and to them, that demonstrated that there were, that was the um, the the execution of the design was very much what they wanted. That it actually happened without people noticing. Okay, I mean, fair, fair, fair enough way to, to make a judgment on it. Um, I think the branding looks good. For me, I'm not sure where it's better. It's. I think it's more striking because it kind of that it's almost got 
the, the, the branding on it is, is designed in a way that it, it draws the eye to the Monk logo in the middle. It's like everything expands out from that. Oh, uh, yeah. And then there's a lot of there's a lot of empty space then on the yeah. cans. Um, like you say though, it's it's interesting. I think they put a, they put a picture up either on their Twitter feed or it was on their website where it was the evolution of New World from being in bottles to the first can to the slight redesign of the can to the new design yeah. of the can. It was interesting to see the evolution of the one beer that they're, I suppose they're most known for. Yeah, I can't remember it on a in bottle actually to be honest, but. Uh, you know, I'm so associate Northern Monk with cans. Like I said, I think it looks good. Um, I just always question rebranding. But that's not just for beer. I would question it for a lot of things. Well, some people would say it's a marker to other things. <laughs> we'll leave that there. Uh, and the final news story is, um, and I know there's been some umbrage taken with this, particularly from um, Beer Nouveau in, in Manchester. The first British beer was discovered in Cambridgeshire, A14 Roadworks. So, uh, road workers have uncovered what is thought to be the earliest evidence of beer being brewed in Britain, in Britain dating back more than 2,000 years. Experts found telltale signs of Iron Age brew during work improvements on the A14 between Cambridge and Huntingdon. Um, and it could, it's believed it could date as far back as 400 BC. Uh, it's something to do with, um, there were some fragments with charred residue inside. And once this residue has been analysed, it's, it's got malt and barley and yeast and things in it and it's um suggestion that uh there's evidence of fermentation and contains larger pieces of cracked grains and bran but no fine flour so um whether it's the oldest beer or not is possibly a discussion for another day yeah hopefully it's not one be... i necessarily want to try straight away no hopefully there'll be some more uh interesting news for us to dig into uh next time so we have got uh, another beer which we've both just poured yes um, this is from uh, first the two beers that have been sent by Machinistas uh, Buco, who are based in Coventry. Now, we've got a little bit of information on Machinistas. Only a little bit. Uh, but what we're going to do is at this point, we're going to suggest that maybe not right now, but certainly when you finish this episode, go and check out episode 11 of Beers Without Frontiers, where their entire episode is recorded with the guys from Machinistas talking about the brewery to set up the beers that they're going to produce their vision, what they want to do, um, which was very much the inspiration for how we ended up with, with beers from Machinistas tonight. Because yeah. it was one of those that purely I commented on, really enjoyed the show, really look forward to trying your beers. If they ever make it down this far, they got in touch with us via DM, said, can we send you some? Question we never we rarely say no to, yep. um, and they sent us down a few beers, so we've got this and we've got another one coming up. So let's let's tuck into this. Cheers. Cheers. This is a New England IPA, and boy, does it look it. It definitely looks it. Aroma definitely smells like yep. it. And it tastes like it. It does, but there's a nice bitterness at the end of it. It's got a bit of a pithy bitterness. Yeah, hasn't it? It's like it's like the the the, the bitterness that you get from like a breakfast juice. So Ooh, more actually, grapefruit. Quite dry. There's a lot more dryness coming through as well at the back yeah. end of it, um, which does offset some of the of the fruity notes. Again, what I'm liking it, what I do like about it is it's um, it is obviously a bit thicker than the beers which we'd normally plump for, but it does, still doesn't feel like it's got that too much like gloopy. It's not cloying. No, it's hasn't got that cloying sweetness. It's crisp still. Um, 
Yeah, I'm lying, the, the the pithy bitterness definitely wants me to take a bit, drink a bit more. Yeah, so so here's the little bit that we've got. Okay, and and then again, we're going to suggest you click through on the on the link that we've put in the show notes to listen to beers without frontiers. Um, Machinista's an experimental one barrel brewery based in Coventry, UK. How many? Hang on, that's two hundred eighty four pints. It's not many, is it? Uh, at a time. Still got the cheat sheet at the top of the well show. Well done, notes. thanks, Sean. Yeah, um, so that's yeah, so that's that's not a lot of beer that they're it's producing in any, sing, any any one go. Um, our beers evolve, we iterate and pivot, so you might not see the same beer from us twice. If you spot one of our beers out there in the wild, give it a try. It might be your only chance. Between the three of us, we have several years' experience of brewing at home and going commercial allows us to capture and share the spirit of, of adventure. So um, it's made up of John and Simon and Flo, who all bring various experience to, to the team. Yeah, of which they definitely go into more detail in the beers we have yeah, on this podcast. Yeah. And, and like I said, I really don't, I, I don't want to go into too much detail no, on it because you really should listen to that. Um, you know, we're lucky enough to just be sampling their, their beers. I mean, I, I do love the branding. We're, we've been sent two bottles. So we've been sent this and the one that we're going to be doing next. Uh, what we've got here with the Slurple Haze is is a purple label, a very clear logo on it, and it's just covered in hops, and it's it's just it's just a thing of beauty. It is nice. It's um, yeah, it's like a you know two shades of purple and some white. That's it. Yeah, it's so simple. It's a purple, light purple background, slightly darker with the hops, and then white. Yeah, that's it. And that's that's what's what that's what's working so well for me. Yeah, no, it's it's nice. It's it's definitely distinctive, if nothing else, and. Surely that's a large part of your branding is... Oh, without a doubt, yeah. Nice. Mm, not so sure. Does it stand out? Oh, definitely. But the bottles are quite rare. You, you know, if they're only producing 284 pints per brew, yeah. Um, and I, I, I do believe they say this in the um, on, on the podcast as well, that, that it's only a small batch of bottles that they produce from each brew that they do. Yeah, because they must be doing the bottles by hand, aren't they? They've got to be, yeah. Yeah, well, well, yeah, it's handwritten on the side in terms of it was bottled on the 25th of Jan and it's best before the 8th of Feb. Yeah, so... I mean, yeah. There's that, that's, that's drink fresh and then some. Very drink fresh. Just while we're having it now on the 4th? Yeah, so we're right in the middle of that, yeah. that, it, that window. The best before is when the show comes out. Yes, yeah. Timing. It's there all you about go, timing. it's all about timing. Yeah. So while we enjoy this, uh, let's get into this week's question. Opinions, 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 opinions. So we asked, um, do you have a healthy balance when it comes to your drinking? So this was kind of on the back of the whole... We're now into February, dry January, tri January, tri annuary, all the rest of it has finished. Um, and as always, loads of comments, loads of really great opinions on, on this one, or opinions, yes. if, if I should be on brand. Stay, stay on brand, please. I know Steve. what's happening there, yeah. What, what is this opinions thing I speak of? Um, thank you to everyone who took the time to input and, and to vote, and apologies that we, we, we can't cover every comment. Um, but all, as always, if you want to go in and read all of the comments, there'll be a link in the show notes to the question. Yeah. Click on that and you can read the comments yourself. So we had uh, 544 votes, 59% said yes. 41% said no. Yeah. And, and this was a question that was originally asked, um, suggested to us by Simon Clark at Simon Car- Carbon, 
who can't remember asking. Can't remember us. asking. It was it a was while that, ago. It, it was that long ago. We we do bank. Whenever you guys suggest something for us to feature, we do. We, we it does bank get it. banked, yeah. and, and we do decide there, there'll be a point in the future where we may use it. So um, the first uh, first one that we had was from Simon. Well, it wasn't the first one, but it's only fair that we read Simon's yeah. out first. Um, yes, only really drink at weekends. Quality over quantity and all that, plus driving a lot for work is also a factor. If only I could moderate my food intake so easily. I did start running last year, though. So, see, that last part suggests that he is no longer running. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm, I'm going to take it that he's still running. Okay. He hasn't He, he hasn't said that he's not well, running anymore. Well, him and uh, Vicky did do the run at peak end. They did. D- didn't they? They did, they did that 5K in the morning, didn't they, before we uh, caught up with them. Which I think ended up being more like a seven k. I think. I'm sure yeah, I don't think. I don't think it was. I don't think yeah. it was the triple A standards in the in the measuring. Yeah. Um, so as as always, um, what we've also tried to do with some of these is that there were um, a lot of comments that were very similar. So we, we, we've kind of bunched some of these together so as not not to sound too repetitive. So Pete at Hops and Hoops, uh, I'd say yes. Normally stink to no drinking Sunday to Thursday, so I have plenty of dry days. Early mornings during the week make waking up with even the slightest hangover unappealing. So we had a lot of similar comments for dry days from Steve Russian at Steve Russian, Mr. WP at Mr. Underscore WP, Graham C at Graham Underscore C, and the Toy House Brewery at Toy House Brewery. What about you? Do you have dry days? Uh, I try to. I, I, I do try to have... Um, at least two or three a week so generally i will sometimes let the weekend spill over into monday and, and then try to have tuesday wednesday maybe sometimes thursday if, if i've gone dry on monday i might allow myself a beer on thursday because there's the whole it's gonna sound really sad but there's the whole new brew thursday badge on, on, on <laughs> that, that you can get every three weeks if you if you're clever so I don't like to miss a Thursday, really. No, it's fine. I mean, um, yeah, I, I, I certainly have dry days, but they're not set dry days. Depends what we're doing. Obviously, we record on every other Monday. Yeah. So that knocks out doing the whole, well, I don't drink Monday to Thursday kind of thing. Bottle share once a month is on a Tuesday. And then this, this week is particularly challenging for us because we've got recording tonight and then bottle share. Birthday t- bottle share. T- 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 tomorrow night, yeah. yeah. Um, so for me, I definitely try to fit in two to three dry days a week. Um, where possible but I, I don't have them as set days but unlike um, say Simon I don't have to drive during the week my job doesn't rely on me driving getting to most places Monday to Friday doesn't rely on me driving so yeah see mine does now yeah I don't really have that as a a bulwark to stop me doing yeah. it so uh, interesting points uh, you know and like you say we had quite a few people talking about saying about dry days as well. Yeah. Um, we then had a lot of people talking about quality over quantity. So I, I pick quality over quantity. You, you'd be lucky to see me drink more than two pints on a night out. Don't drink much during the week. Me and Simon may share a 3.30 meal bottle midweek, but that's it. That was from Cat Seal at Katrina. Some similar comments from Nick at Things by Nick and Shane Pollard at Shane Pollard 16. So, you, you know, quite a lot of people saying, well, actually, if I'm going to have a beer... I'm going to have the one beer, but I'm going to make it a really good one. Yeah. I really have just the one beer. Yeah, I'm kind of a little bit like that as well. Once I've kind of opened one, I'm like, hmm, might just have another one. Yeah. So I get the point, And when I'm out, depending what group of friends I'm with, 
it may not just be the standard pints like it used to be in days gone by where it's if I'm out from work at five o'clock well it's pints of macro lager to whenever you get the train so there's probably a bit more of a quality control over that whole set of proceedings these days apart from anything else um but I think that's really I think that's really good that the quality over quantity, I think, does play a part these days. Oh yeah, without without a doubt. Yeah, I mean, expense also comes into that. Oh yeah, definitely. And, and there were a couple of people that said that. Uh, Mike McGuire at McGuire Mike. Military life puts you in a position where you need to stay fit, but booze and military life are intertwined, so it can be difficult to find a balance. Thankfully, most of the messes on units don't serve craft. Otherwise, I'd be screwed. <laughs> <laughs> I quite like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, on a similar sort of vein, uh, from the Owl Lady, at the Owl Lady, uh, very, maybe too balanced if that's possible, I'm hyper-conscious of earning my right to drink beer. I eat like a Buddhist and train like a Marine in order to relax and indulge in my vice. And again, there were similar comments around keeping active from the Hopspot Hop podcast at Hopspot UK and Steve Lamond at Beers I've Known. And that's probably where I've lost a little bit of my balance, is that I haven't had a run since October because of my foot injury and then my subsequent operation yeah. and hoping to get some good news this week about it. So that that's definitely something for me, but not only I always put in my head, but it's a bit of an offset. Um, if I've got a race coming up or I'm going for a particularly good time on a training run, I am looking not to necessarily have had stacks of drinks beforehand. So there was always a natural point to slow me up, so to speak. So I definitely get that one. Um, from James, James Moosh, only drink three days a week, but I think I still drink too much overall. Need to cut out the tins of macro lager when watching sports, etc. Don't need to reduce craft drinking, that's a healthy level. That's uh, quite an interesting comment, isn't it? About yeah. the, uh, just finding a beer that's a go-to when you're doing something else. And so from Mark Johnson, at Mark N. Johnson, Nope. I thought that's how it was going to go for a minute. Yeah, just, just leave nope. it at that. Yeah. Um, but no, he, said, he went on to say, not that I want to go into too much detail, but my balance is off. I don't believe people need to temper the drinking as much as they do, designated day, counting dry days, etc. But at present, I need more control. So a slightly different spin on the, on the question of the balance there. So definitely yeah. a personal spin on that one. So suggesting that he, he maybe feels the need not not the need to drink, but feels that there's a constant chasing of beer. Or, or to, he just be done. Genuinely enjoys it, but maybe goes OTT every now more more times than he wants to. Could be anything like that, really. It's hard to know exactly what Mark means there. But I, what I quite liked about his comment was, I don't believe people need to temper their drink as much as they do. Designated days, the counting, the dry days. So, you know, I think. Mean, it's how, however people feel they can exert their control is the right, uh, is the right thing. Yeah, however you balance your drinking that works for your lifestyle has, has got to be the important thing here. Yeah, because I think there'll be a few more comments which we can which we can get into a bit more. Yeah. We, we then had a whole load of uh, comments that were around the government guidelines. So, time for some facts. Go on. Uh, again, so here we go. I, I, I do love bringing in some actual research. Um, to the show so um, I got these from drinkaware.co.uk which I, I imagine a few people that are listening right now may be rolling their eyes at that but it's, it's the, it was the only source of information really where I could get some of this from so Chief Medical Office guidelines uh, suggest that it's safest not to drink more than 14 units a week with a recommendation of having 
alcohol-free days within that. Now, uh, for those that don't know, one unit uh, equates to 10 millilitres of pure alcohol. Which we, most of us rarely drink. Nobody's going to drink 10 millilitres yeah. of pure alcohol. Or 250 millilitres of a standard 4% beer. So that's half a pint-ish? Yeah, so uh, 516 millilitres is a pint, so half a litre, 500 millilitres. So what they're saying, therefore, is a pint of carling is over two units. Yes. That'd be a real waste of two units, wouldn't it? It it would, wouldn't it? I mean, I'm tempted to start looking through our collection here this evening because most of these might have units on the back of them. I think... On the bottles, probably you do have to, but on the, certainly on this 500 milliliter uh, Fuller's Passmasters 1981 ESB that came in at five and a half percent, 2.8 units. And so, what they say on here is UK health departments recommend men do not regularly exceed three to four units daily and women two to three units daily. Now, that's quite interesting, but they still differentiate on the labels. But that 14 units by Drink Aware. It's the same for men and women yes, now. Yes, yeah. Whereas before, it used to be 21 and 14, didn't it? 21 for yeah. the men and 14 for the women. And they brought it both down to 14. So 2.8. So you couldn't have one of these per day for a week without going over. You'd be well over. You'd be, yeah. Double. Yeah. So that, that's interesting. And I'm, I'm going to come back to that in particular. Um, so it takes an average of one hour to process one unit until it's out of the bloodstream. Okay. As, as, as well. So it's going to take us a few days to get through what we're drinking here tonight <laughs> before it's completely out of this. But then I also, there's, there's a unit calculator that you can do on the website that, that, that gives you guidance against certain different drinks. And, and, and when you go into beer, it then offers you the option to go into brands. So I thought, oh, this would be interesting. Yeah. Let's see what's here. And as you can expect, it's most of the major brands of beer. So there's a lot of badges in there. There's the, 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 there's a lot of um, Witchwood in there. And, you know, brands that you supermarket yeah, beers, yeah, basically. Okay. So the closest one that I could find to what we were drinking this evening was ESB, because that was in there. So, so I put that in, and half a pint of ESB... Um, equals 1.6 units. Okay, and half a pint is more than half a bottle. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which is the equivalent of 142 calories, or the same as half a burger, if you're equating it to food yep. purposes. And to work that off, it would take 14 minutes of running to work off that half pint of a VSB that you've had. Interesting. So... We're going to be uh, running a marathon. Well, I won't be until I get a sign off on my foot. Well, well, no, neither will I, but that's what we should be doing okay. after the beers we're drinking this evening. Uh, there's then Every year they do a drink aware monitor as, as well. So in 2018, uh, 20% of people reported that they were drinking over the guidelines. 84% um, considered it important to maintain a healthy lifestyle. And 72% of people are taking drink-free days within that as well. There's a whole load of stats on there. It is quite a useful website how useful it is in terms of you using it as a tool to balance your drinking, I'm not quite so sure. I would say that if we go to those three points again, 20% reported drinking was over the guidelines, 84 considered it was important to maintain, 72% taking drink three days. I would say those last two are probably fairly accurate. The top one, most people underestimate. Or lie. Or lie. It's almost yeah. on anything. Because if you ever go for a checkup at the doctors, they always ask you. I always tell them, I'm said I'm over the guidelines then yeah. they ask me how much 
then it's guesswork. Yeah, so I don't don't measure anything by units. I I drink beer for a hobby. It's bad enough I have to try and work out pints to bottles to millilitres to hectolitres. (laughs) Maybe we can get Sean to work that out for us as well. Um, so those were the government guidelines. So, so that's that's what we managed to get in terms of the actual facts. So this is what people thought about some of the government guidelines. So Saul Holmes at Saul W Holmes. I think the recommended weekly alcohol consumption is 14 units now. I'm not sure how many people who are into craft can honestly say they don't regularly exceed that. Recently, I've got into into trying a variety of alcohol-free beers, and it's reduced my alcohol consumption a lot. I mean, that's interesting. Again, we saw the whole. There was a lot of discussion about alcohol-free beers during January again, wasn't there? Yeah, and I've I've tried a few more recently um, because I want that alternative to just drinking tea, water or sugar um, of of an evening when I'm not having a beer. Um, But I would say it wouldn't matter. If you're into drinking alcohol, um, it doesn't matter whether it's craft or otherwise, I would say that if you're into drinking, if you like it, if you like a drink, whether that be a gin and tonic, a beer or a glass of wine, the chances of you only hitting 14 units, I reckon, are pretty slim. I reckon so. That's my own I mean, it's opinion. quite low, isn't it? It's a low. Even if we go back to, say, um, you know, Cat, Cat's one, I mean, if she's only having a few nights where she's only having a couple of pints, maybe breaking a 3.30, she's going to be one of the closest. But even then, depending on what drink she's having, could still easily crack that 14 units. Oh, without a doubt, yeah. So, because yeah. we had that conversation at Portman, wasn't it? And they were saying about their 440 cans not going over, like, four to four and a half units. So, you know, plenty of people have had one or two of those. You'll have, you'll have done two-thirds of your units in an evening. In, in, in one sitting? Yeah. Yeah. So, Paul Briley at The Real Bryman. Once upon a time, I would get smashed in a pub at the weekend. Now I have three or, four beer, three or four beers a night, maybe three or four times a week, which is probably frowned upon by health experts. Still, I'm much happier with it now than I was. He probably feels healthier for it as well. Possibly, yeah. I mean, he's unlikely to be getting... In my head, I'm likely to be getting massive, great big hangovers off the back of three or four drinks. Um, whereas, if you're getting smashed in the pub at the weekends, or maybe a Friday and a Saturday, then you know part of your Saturday and part of your Sunday's probably been lost to it. Yeah. So he probably feels happier and healthier rather than worried about the stats. And they, you know, it's the binge drinking. Technically, we are probably guilty of binge drinking under government guidelines we, yeah I mean we would drinking be, now. we'd be considered as drinking binge, uh, as binge drinking yeah. right now wouldn't we whereas the public persona of binge drinking it will be those pictures you see on the news of people stumbling out of city centre pubs not being able to walk and New Year's be, Day montage yeah, that the BBC put out yeah. uh, but having to be helped around that's where people and a lot of people watching those TVs will be under government guidelines be guilty of binge drinking themselves but wouldn't see it as binge drinking because the reaction of them wouldn't be the same yeah they're not falling over, probably. Yeah. Uh, the next one, and I love this. This is possibly the, the, the greatest closing statement that I've ever heard. So this is from Harry Trice at HD Trice. I'm good at drinking. I'm good during the week. Rarely touch drop until maybe Thursday, but I definitely binge at weekends according to health guidelines. I know it's not advised, but I just really like beer. Yeah, uh, for the benefit of the podcast, I'm putting my hand up right now. Right? So I mean, that's all of us, isn't that's it? That's a sense we, of agreement. We, we just really like beer. Yeah, uh, and that's what it does boil down to, though, is I just actually genuinely yeah, love yeah, yeah. the taste of a lot of beers. Um, so, yeah, I can definitely get on board with what Harry's saying. Um, 
Yeah, I've got nothing to add to that one. No, no, me either. So let's 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 take in the, the, the last few comments on this one, and then um, I suppose we'll get our final views on it. I know we've been dipping in and out, but uh, I suppose we could get an, an, an overview. Before we go too far, we're both getting towards the end of uh, our New England IPA. What do you think? It's on the side of New England IPA that I could, I would, I would drink another. You would go. You would have a second of this. I would have a second of this because it's not. It's not got that sugary, cloying finish that I, I don't like with New England IPAs. It's it's really good brewing. I think it's really good All brewing. All the flavours are really prominent in it. Yeah, I think I think it ticks a lot of boxes. I wouldn't have a second one, just because it's not my preferred thing. But it's definitely one of the better ones I've had produced by an English brewery. And if someone said, you have to have two of a New England IPA... I would hope the Machinistas might be one of my choices yeah. based on this one. Just because it hasn't got the sweet, cloying finish, it hasn't got that thick, thick bloopy mouthfeel, which feels like I'm actually having a meal of it. Um, generally, I don't mind a little bit of oats in the build, especially like we've said before for the small beers. It gives that a bit of body. Um, I don't know whether this has much of that in there, but it doesn't yeah, feel... Oats. It doesn't feel like they've been tipping. It doesn't feel like they've tried to create a New England IPA-style porridge. So you've you've drunk these beers in the states, and and you you said on a previous podcast yeah. that that they're a very different experience. Is is this closer this to what closer. you've drunk in the states? Yeah, than... this is closer than the ones I experienced when I was in Boston, because the ones in Boston they made they were made they were going out there to make the most of the fruit, um, but it didn't feel like they were trying to make it into a fruit smoothie. It wasn't like it was big. It was thick. I did have a couple on the bounce. You know, I was in Trillium. So it was almost, unless I was just going to go switch to dark beers or their sours. For the benefit of the podcast, I did both of those things. Obviously, <laughs> but, as, um, as you do. As you do. But the the beers always felt lighter, the ones I had, rather than that very thick, fruity, sweet cloying that we've had a few times. Mm. And that's the ones which really put me off. And I don't think there's enough of these kind of ones, what I call almost like a clean, a clean version. Yeah. That that's what I take. It's a clean version. It's it's it's. I, I've not you know had the experience of, of of trying a beer direct from the source in the states, but I, this would be the version that I would rather try. Oh yeah, the, it, it also sits at quite a nice a nice strength as well. Um, yeah, I, it's not. It doesn't actually say on the bottle what the ABV is. It doesn't fit well. I'll put it that way. It so, doesn't feel. So we've no idea. What, it doesn't feel big. What but we're what, drinking. What do most New England IPAs usually come in five, between the five and eight? Between five and eight, yeah. But I'm going to say this one's around about six. I'm. I'd go for six, maybe six so, and a half. Yeah, but I don't. It doesn't feel like it'd be any more than that. Yeah. So a few more comments then. So from um, Chicken Dipper at Salander Graham, probably not working odd shift patterns mean I have a lot of Fridays. A stressful job means I've earned a beer when I get home quite often. I'm a lot more aware of it and willing to do something about it than I was a few years ago, but I probably still drink too much. And again, a similar sort of vein. I mean, there were a few people that came in from a working shifts point of view. Man Cave Beer Reviews at Man Cave underscore beer underscore. Voted yes, but I'm pretty sure Mrs. Man Cave will tell you otherwise. Working nights means my evening sometimes start at 6am, which means it's beer o'clock at all different times of the day or night. I, I only untapped about 250 beers last year, so I don't think I have a problem. <laughs> well, I untap, I untap all my beers, so I've got a very accurate record, which I, I'm, not, I, I, I'm not sharing. I, I love it when somebody's using untapped as their um, their, their evidence. 
as to the fact yeah. that they don't have I, a problem. I present, I'm tapped, my lord. Yeah. And um, so going on to Jay at Strickers 66. Last four years, I've definitely had too many beers after discovering good beer and trying to experience as many as possible. I'm calming down this year and trying to drink less in the week. I just, I've come to love it so much. Never f- felt like this about any alcohol. That's almost so like an ode to alcohol. He's going to buy. He's going to buy a beer Valentine's card. It sounds like Jay's on a on a love a love affair with with beer. Yeah, yeah. I just I just love you so much. <laughs> um, so from Mashtana Meow at Mashtana Meow, who are obviously two two of the two of the people behind um, the brewery you mentioned earlier that you I've forgotten the name all of a sudden. Happy down. Thank you. Uh, but you you mentioned as one of the beers that you will go to in Sheffield. Um, this was a tough one. We eat well and take regular exercise, but how busy we are with booze-based activities can take its toll. Love, love, love this industry and wider community we are a part of, but could do with more balance and time away from it sometimes. Now, curiously, they did have time away, didn't they? They did. Because they, they, they wrote a blog about it. They took a month off, and their first day back was the Crimbo Crawl 2017. Yeah. Um, no, now, it was. It was the night before yeah. their second day, because they were both they, they were both struggling on the... Uh, on the Grimbo Crawl, which is similar to the year before, to be honest, for them. Yeah. Um, and they did write in their blog and stuff, but they actually, it's the social aspect for them as well. Yeah. But but it is for a lot of us, isn't it? Um, you, you know, it's not, if, if you take time away from beer, sometimes you're almost taking time away from your friends as well. Yeah. Now, I have never, I've never done dry January. I have. No, no, you have. Um, I have given up alcohol for Lent in the past and it was quite a while ago and I can't remember if my coping mechanism was then not to go to the pub. Now, I know that there was a few articles this year during dry January about people saying they were still going to the pub and stuff and still spending money, etc. And about a lot of time for the rest of the year they're spending more than the average punter anyway. I honestly believe if I wasn't drinking, I'd probably uh, go to the publis. I would, because I don't, let, let's be honest, I don't want to go to the pub to spend money on overpriced soft drink when I could be sat at home. Yeah, drink, that, and that's how that. I would look at it. Whatever the soft drink was, I would feel it was overpriced. And, and I think we established in, um, when we was on the Watch Your Favourite podcast, that I'm inherently lazy and I hate people. So even less incentive for you to go out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Spoiler yeah, alert. Yeah, yeah. Why? Why would I go to the pub <laughs> when I can stay at home uh, drinking beer without having to put up with the abhorrence that is the human public. race? General yeah, public. Yeah. Uh, speaking Cheers. of drinking beer, uh, we both opened the second of our beers from Machinistas, and uh, this one is the Dark Almond. It's a nut milk stout. Oh, it's definitely got a bit. Of, a lovely nose on that, isn't it? Almost like a cross between. Um, a brown ale. It's it's creamy. Brown ale and a and a stout. But it is a there is there is nuttiness on 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 that nose. Well, maybe that's where I'm getting the brown ale from. Oh, oh now that I like. That's really nice. Oh, that's really tasty. That's that's good body. There, you get a little bit of sweetness up front, and then there's a just the it's the subtlest hint of nut. On the finish, isn't it? Yeah. So a little bit more about this particular beer. Um, so, you know, going back to the, the name, Dark Almond, they start off a soft celebration. Brilliant. Uh, 
packed with roasted malts and a hint of maple syrup. Uh, say hello to the creamy texture of almond milk and wave goodbye to the disappointing thinness but can't take the love of a sessionable stout. That is brilliant. Yeah. That description is so good. Although this is where the label may let itself down because that's white writing on a pale grey background. Yeah. <laughs> it's quite hard to read all I've, that. I've had to strain. It's only 5.4% though. I know, but it's got a it's got a lot of characteristics of a beer slightly bigger than that. I, I if, if you were drinking that blind, you'd, you'd say that was a lot bigger than yeah. that. Yeah, um, the flavors are really good. The description, even including the bits about the the you know the, using soft sell as their inspiration, it's a really they've, lovely they've nailed beer. Nailed that, haven't they? Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, so one final comment on on this week's opinions. Uh, this is from Evan Walsh at uh, Evan Walsh uh, I actually feel sometimes like I should be drinking more if only to try and keep abreast of everything that's going on events new releases constant education does that make sense? no doesn't that one do you not? I, I, I sometimes feel as though you, you know I mean let's let's be honest we get we get a lot of invites to stuff and we, we have to say no to yeah but I don't think I should be drinking more no but <laughs> Do you never think that, I, I don't suppose we do, but is, is there ever a point where you're like, well, I need to go to that and I need to be at that well, event I, suppose if I was, need to try that. If, if, if we want to keep completely yeah, up to date. If I was if I was a professional rather than a, a very keen hobbyist or amateur, I would probably say, yes. Oh, uh, yes. Hang on. Let's not use the word amateur. Uh, I, said about, I said about me though. Okay. So... Um, then award I would, winning. Then yeah. I award winning amateur. Brilliant. Um, I would say that I should go to these events. I shouldn't say no to them, and I should be disciplined enough that I am just having the tasters they're giving out. Uh, if the event starts at half six, I just go to the event at half six. I don't meet up at the pub at five o'clock. When it finishes at half eight, I leave at half eight. I don't go to the pub till ten o'clock. Well, I don't. If you're recording at six, don't start drinking at two. Yeah, but I don't do any of that. <laughs> Because if I'm going to go out, I'm going to go out for more than an hour and a half. Yeah. So, yes, if I was, maybe if it was my living, I may have that extra incentive because you may well be doing something the next day where you may be doing a tasting or judging. Then, yes, should you be going out till half, 10, 11 o'clock, having drunk for five hours? Maybe not. But I see this as a, as a hobby, which I really enjoy. Um, I hope other people enjoy the things I say as well. So yes, part of me would agree if I'm looking at it clearly and properly, but no, I don't need to look to have more. Okay. Definitely. Okay. So j- just to wrap this one up then, what what, what are our thoughts on, 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 on this? So do, do you think you have a healthy balance when it comes to your drinking? My balance of the drink is, I think, pretty healthy. I, 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 I like having my dry days. Um, I, like I said, an average week, is either going to be three to four dry days versus three to four days where I have alcohol. Um, I consider a non-dry day, once I've had one beer, I've had, it's, a, it's a non-dry day. Um, and if the mood takes me, I'll have a few. If it doesn't, then I won't. The one bit of balance that is lacking for me is that my sport is running. I love doing my running. My running's my release. And the running's the thing I haven't been able to do for three and a half months. And that's probably where on my overall lifestyle my balance has definitely erred away from uh, being as uh, as as 
centers I would like. It's definitely veered a bit more towards, but that's also with the food. It's just, when I'm not running, there's less incentive. You know, I'm about six issues behind in my runner's world as well, just because I don't want to read about other people running. I don't know why you want to read about other people running anyway. Well, I, I do. Okay. <laughs> I don't like fair, it. Fair enough. It's some good training tips, some good pointers. So yeah, for me, my balance is probably a little bit askew at the moment, but I would say my beery intake is probably not much different to what it has been for a long time now. Apart okay. from I never envisaged I'd be sitting in my my house drinking beer at quarter to, quarter to ten on a Monday every other week. <laughs> <laughs> I never saw that one coming, to be fair. Yeah. What about you, though? Um, I try to. Uh, I've recently, for about six months now, I've been going to the gym on, on a regular basis because I just felt as though I wasn't doing anything and I needed to do something um, to, to, to balance the drinking. My, my problem is, is is that when I'm on a non-dry day, so when I'm on a drinking day, whether that be at home or out, um, the drink triggers something in me where at some point I want to start eating and then when you start eating you can't stop eating and it's like beer food beer food beer food yeah it's not like you go and then have the healthiest option either is it no no you just go for you want you want the stock it's the it's you, equivalent of a comfort food isn't yeah, it yeah without a doubt so so, so yeah I mean you, you know I, I went to the gym before we recorded tonight um, because today's one of the days that I should be doing a gym day and so I, in, in a way I kind of felt like I earned a beer many beers later here, here we still are um, but yeah, I'm definitely trying to balance it out and I'm trying to be stricter with my dry days. But as, as, as we've already said, you know, this week's a tough week for us. We're, we're recording, sometimes our recording nights fall on the same week as bottle shares. Yeah, and that's going to happen every so, so that means that means we're on the bounce Monday, Tuesday, yeah. s- straight away. Generally, for me, there's then a third night where I'm editing and I kind of always have a beer when I edit. So well, that's Wednesday. Well, to be fair, you're listening to us two talk again, generally about beer. Yeah. <laughs> And then we're into Thursday, which is, as I already said, there's a badge on untapped for New Brew Thursday. Every time you check in a new beer for three weeks in a row. And then we're into the weekend. So some, some days there are times where I'll, I'll be drinking for seven days in a row. But then you will have your two or three weekends running where you had the boys, which involves usually for you a lot of driving, doesn't it? Yes. Yeah, so. taxi service. Now, I certainly know that, especially when Michael was younger, I knew that despite it being a weekend there was a good chance that my actual drinking would decrease or cease. Oh, yeah, it definitely decreases on some, some weekends. I mean, most most Friday nights are a write-off for me now, which which is actually the one day where I really want a beer because I've finished work and I just want a beer to see in the weekend. But they're a write-off because if I've got the boys, I am running them around. But then that's not a bad thing because then you already know you've got that definite one. Yeah. So I know that this coming Friday, by the time I meet Michael at the station and we get the train back over, we get ourselves sorted... Probably ain't half eight, and it's the end of the week, and I'm thinking, if I do have a beer, I'm only going to have two or three. I might as well just not bother. Yeah. So I already know I've almost banked an, an up and coming dry day, and then I think Saturday, gym opens at eight. I could be down a bang on eight because I've been nice and fresh as well. So I oh, see. I thought. See, my my alternative to that would be I'm not drinking this Friday night. I can get up at eight and start drinking on Saturday. Yeah, that was, we were almost aligned <laughs> to, there. To make up for it. <laughs> we were almost aligned there. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's been really interesting, uh, as always. And, and just to, to, to reiterate, thanks to everyone for getting involved in that. Um, please continue to feedback your, your, your views on this subject. Use the hashtag opinions, and you may very well appear in this next segment of the show. Let us know. Write it down. Let us know. Write it down. Let us know your thoughts and bitter and lingerness. Write it down.
So we've lots of uh, lots of feedback on previous shows. Lots of feedback, but I suppose they've been spread over quite a wide time, haven't they? That they have. I mean, some people going back as far as the post Crimbo Crawl show. Yeah, I mean, how far behind are these people? Come on, catch up. I mean, it's not like it's a weekly podcast or anything. It's it's fortnightly. Yes, and one of these people is my mate Carl. <laughs> yeah. Um, so Carl Gunner at Kale Gunner says, catching up on recent podcasts and have to say some great shows always. Enjoy the post Crimbo Crawl show. <laughs> I, I mean, that, that is one of our favourite shows. That to is, that as is well, one of our favourite shows. I mean, by the time we started recording this shit, it was almost midday anyway, wasn't it? That, that's true, yeah. Um, and then Rob's Beer Odyssey at Rob's Beer Odyssey. Uh, thanks for answering my Bond beer question during the post Crimbo Crawl podcast. Sorry, I'm a bit behind at the moment. Love the choices. Pleasure, Rob. I, enjoy, I enjoyed the que- answering the question anyway. Give me plenty of time to think about it. Yeah, it's one that I um, I just left that one to you. You did. To, to I think answer. I think you were also quite happy with that in the post Crimbo Crawl show anyway. Yeah, considering I had you've gone wandering that night as well. Gone wandering again, yeah. <laughs> Uh, a bit worried about this this AWOL thing that <laughs> yeah. I, I keep keep doing at yeah, the moment. Well, li- listen to this space for the hat trick. Yeah. Um, so then we had uh, a lot of comments on episode 77, which was the show that we did with Jezza. Yeah, so that uh, was the vertical Stellanat yes, tasting, wasn't it? Yeah. Which was was a really enjoyable show. I, I, I enjoyed recording it. I enjoyed listening back to it. Yeah. And... Um, uh, again, I just want to thank Jezza for taking time to, to to appear on the show and for for sharing beers with us from his secret beer stash. Yeah, which um, we still haven't found out where. No, secret. we're still trying to locate yeah. it. But but Despite I mean, the trackers. This this is I mean this is a lot of comments, but it's just a handful of the comments that we got. So John Rogers at JM Rogers two thousand. Just listen to the podcast, enjoyed the vertical tasting format guidance and the Belgian content. We'll look up to the gee to to the geese to the goose girls to the geezer. To, oh, whatever. Uh, really good listen. Uh, cheers. Richard Taylor at Rich Taylor 1608 Fantastic show and super informative. I need to up my Belgian beer intake and knowledge. I think a trip to... Is in order. I presume that had some... Maybe the flag of Belgium. I think that might have been the Belgian flag. Yeah. Yeah, it's not translated well. No, uh, into, into uh, print. This, this sheet. Uh, Graham Meakin at Graham underscore Meakin. Just listen to the podcast, chaps. Really enjoyable. Listen, I remember drinking a fresh 2016 with you at the bar, Jezza. Uh, and both us wondering where the carbonation was. Good to hear that it comes good after a couple of years, though. Yeah, no, that was that was an interesting comment, actually. Um, yeah. But, I mean, follow up. <laughs> I, I like this one. Uh, so from James at Gammon Barron, excellent show, chaps. And to finish with Huey Lewis, <laughs> <laughs> somebody that appreciates my music choices yeah. at the end of each show. Uh, and he says those fifty-eight pound return Euro star tickets to Brussels look so tempting right now, um, which I am doing. I'm doing a day trip to Brussels in March. Are you with our creative director? Are you going to Cantillon? Uh, possibly. Uh, we haven't thought about any particular itinerary yet. We just thought. Um, we'd we'd go before all borders are locked down. Is he going to remember his passport this time? Well, he now has a valid passport, so okay. we're up on the deal. Okay, from twenty sixteen, brilliant. Um, and from Simon Clark, who's hardly had any mentions tonight. I was going to say, yeah. I mean, in, in the terms of um, if if we're running some sort of league table for number one fan, well, he's winning at the moment. Uh, at the moment, Simon is tearing yeah. away with it. So uh, Simon Clark at Simon Carbon. I'm about 75% through this right now and I'm loving it. Podcast Gold Guys, looking forward to your at Fuller's Vintage Vertical Tasting for a future show. Um, Steve? Well, that is going to happen. I'm, I'm going to put that out there now that um, for episode 100 of Opinions, 
we are going to do uh, a Fuller's Vintage from every year that the podcast has been running. Yep. So and to give from... that context, this is episode what again? This is episode 79. Yeah, so that's 21 episodes and we don't include the opinions on films as no. episode numbers. It's basically a year away. Yeah, so it's, it's we're roughly... we're planning it. It's roughly we... I'm already planning it. Yep, so we, we are about a year away from that. But yes, we had, um, I think around about the same time we did the Stella Nat Vertical Tasting, the Fuller's one sort of came into our heads as about doing something special for number 100. It did, and with a, a yeah. listener of the show, David Della, has a very, very kindly donated a bottle of 2012 yep. to, to our collection, because my collection only started at 2014. I've got earlier um, ones, but I didn't have the ones we needed. Yeah, so, so David donated a 2012, um, and then we got in touch with Fuller's pre-sale. Well, pre- yeah, it was, what, two days before? Yeah, and they kindly offered to, to, to give us a 2013 as well. So we've now got one from, from every year. So by the time we, we get round to doing that next year, we'll have a bottle from every year from 2012 to 2019. So, uh, And we're going to do something a little bit special around yeah, that. Yeah, but we're definitely not sharing that yet. We're not sharing that, so you're definitely going to have to watch this space on that yeah. one. Um, so from Cat Sill at Katrina's. Well, she's had a few mentions she's tonight as well. As well. Yeah. Um, I listened to this on the way to work. It was great, but it made me really sad that I didn't have a still an act in my hand to drink along. And then I remembered it was 8am. <laughs> I, I love the impact that we had on, on, on a lot of people uh, for, for this particular show. So, so Guzzler at lagging but underscore boat says, Great listen, chaps. Very informative. Loved the gradual, gradual deterioration as the 12% beers took their toll. Highlight for me was Steve reminding Martin and Jezza that he was in the room. <laughs> Is that when me and Jezza were going off on our Belgian yeah, love affair? Yeah, very much so. I mean, it, you know, he, he, his, uh, his knowledge and his enthusiasm and his passion, um, you do want to just carry on talking to him about it because you want to just carry on hearing more from him about it. Oh, and, and but it's not just that. He's got... Uh, an accent and a really soft tone that is just so captivating. Yeah. You, you can almost imagine that man telling stories oh, yeah. for a living and you would sit and you would listen to those stories. You oh, would yeah. pay money to listen to those stories. Definitely. And you guys got it all for free. I, absolutely, yeah. Neil Hayden at Neil Hayden 73. Excellent show, chaps. As someone fairly late to Belgian beers, first visit to Bruges wasn't until 2015. I found this very interesting and Jezza seemed very passionate about the beer. I think that's an understatement. Jezza is massively passionate about his beer. He's very passionate about his beer. Um, I mean, he's... This week, this day we're recording, he's been in Belgium the whole weekend. Again, yeah. Um, and he's been putting some pictures about what I consider to be some stunning Belgian beers. Has he been at his warehouse, the secret warehouse? I think he's been at the secret warehouse, but I think he's also been at a beer festival. He's been to see some bars. He seems to have been there at all the right times when it's been nice and quiet. Um, and he's been back in Bruges as well, I think. He's just said, uh, it sounds like, I think he's had about a four or five day weekend. Um, be making me quite envious to be honest been making me envious and I'm not a fan of Belgian beer yeah exactly so and, and then finally on, on, on this particular show uh, Mike Maguire at Mike Maguire uh, Maguire Mike finally caught up excellent episode had me drooling and immediate wanted to hunt down still an act Jez's passion and knowledge really came through um, I, I mean I'm just going to wrap all that up again by once again thanking Jezza for his time um, his the, time the, and his beers 
the, the amount of feedback that we had on that show far surpasses any other show that we've done previously in terms of people commenting on the content and how much they enjoyed it. So Yeah, definitely. Um, and I think part, part of that was also because of um, it was our last, apart from the regular show, that sh- show sort of seemed to ha- hang around for a while as well. And people's well, it consciousness. Was, it was, yeah, because... It wasn't I mean, time critical or anything, was we it? We recorded it mid-December. We didn't put it out till the beginning of January. Yeah. It was the first show people had had from us for a while. And then, obviously, there was still then two weeks until the next show. Yeah. So, so, yeah, it, it kind but, of hit a bit of a sweet spot. But the feedback was excellent. We, I did love the feedback. And I'm really pleased that everyone enjoyed it as much as we certainly enjoyed recording it. Um, yeah, and it's brilliant that you guys take time to feedback as well because yeah. that's that that's when we know we're doing things that you like when you when you tell us that you're enjoying it. Um, so we also had quite a lot of feedback around episode seventy eight, which was the most recent episode that we did with Ruth, which was kind of the blind tasting of beer and not beers. Yeah, uh, which also uh, you know, good friend Matt was on there as well as our butler, as our butler, official podcast butler. Um, so first up, Michael at Mick McGrority. In previous life, I used to bottle kombucha. Kombucha. Com- Kombu- oh. Kombucha. Kombucha. Sure, that's what it was. Yeah. Um, it was genuinely the worst thing I've ever tasted. <laughs> <laughs> Love that one. Yeah. Um, from Rintra at Rintra56. Listening now, off to a good start. The topic of ice is interesting. Distilled water ice cubes for gin looks so stylish. Not sure what effect it has on on taste, but looks so good. Um, not can't, can't really go into that. I no, mean, I've got nothing on the ice. I we, we've got we've not got an ice spin-off show planned. Have no, we? no, you'll all be actually quite pleased about that. Okay. Um, and again, oh look, look whose name it is. Once, once more, uh, once more onto the breach. Simon Clark at Simon Carbon. This will go into my top 10 of episodes alongside the Cannibal Run and the recent Belgium special, Top Stuff, which makes me wonder, Steve and Martin, what would your top five episodes of Opinions be? That's something else you're going to have to wait for until episode 100, because we're going we're gonna to have to do some homework in terms of going in and, and this is a task I'm going to set now live on air my hope well, like project this, work this, this is your project work it's not only do I want to know what your top five episodes are but I want to know what your top five moments are top five episodes and top five moments yeah because because you'll be pleased to know once you've decided those I've then got to go through and find them so I can put them in as sound bites to episode 100 I'm giving myself a lot of work you are giving me especially there, with the five moments there. but I mean Simon right now I'm going to say if there was a leader's yellow jersey for Opinion's number one fan, Simon would be wearing it. At the moment, he's gone sprinting off, but it's a, it's a marathon. He has gone sprinting up, up out with Juez. It's a marathon. And he's left the pack behind and everyone else is just shaking their head going, you've gone too early, son. Yeah. You've They're not sure about soon. it. Yeah. So from uh, Sean O'Reilly, our uh, our statistician. Who's also up there in yeah. terms of mentions, along with Kat as well. Uh, really enjoyed listening to episode 78. Must admit to a bit of a blush at the gushing endorsement from Beer Fairy. Very brave of you to out yourself with the Morris Dancing reference. At one point, Ruth talked about how knowledgeable many drinks consumers are. I wonder if people identify as a beer wine gin drinker because it is quite difficult to become knowledgeable about different categories of drink that's that's a really interesting point because i think i I think almost ruth would be the proof of that 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 she does have a lot of knowledge across different categories of 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 drinks yeah it can't be easy 
um, you know, as we've, I think we've said more than once before, the more you do, the more we get into our, our beer bubble, the more you find out that you don't know. Yeah. So that, that would apply across the board, wouldn't it? Whether it be wine, gin, vodka, whatever it might be. Yeah. Um, and it was quite funny. <laughs> Michelle was in the queue at the gin bar. Apparently one bloke was really disgruntled that there wasn't vodka for sale. Despite how many times he got told it was a gin bar. It's a gin bar. <laughs> so you don't need to be told more than once. I know, it's brilliant. It's, Sorry. it's a gin bar. A little bit of an aside, but it did make me chuckle yeah. when she told me on Saturday afternoon, which is why she'd take, because she'd just gone to get like a tea or coffee. <laughs> and that was the only place which was doing that. But the, the guy queued up and said, oh, can I have some vodka? I said, we haven't got vodka. I said, oh, well, I thought you'd have vodka. It's a gin bar. <laughs> yeah. Presumably sponsored by someone who makes gin. <laughs> Clearly, yeah. Um, so we're just, uh, we've just opened another can. People would have heard there. Uh, I know, it's, I think it's actually our first can tonight. Is it? It is our first can. It which was our quite, only can which tonight. Which is quite unusual these days, isn't this it? This was almost a bottle-only show. Yeah. Which we haven't had for forever. Um, but what was uh, your final thoughts on the Dark Almond from Machinistas? I could definitely have had another one of that. I, I could have. And, and you know what? That was uh, that was recently served... Um, I'm going to upset you here. On cask at the Manchester Beer and Real Ale Festival. That has upset me. That uh, would have... And apparently it flew out. Oh, a bit... I bet that. I mean, the flavours in that were incredible. But that would have again been lifted. It's the right sort of percentage for that kind of beer on cask. I think that would have tasted fantastic on cask. And you know, we've both been there once, and it was one of those days where we really did enjoy the cask beers we had. We did, but I would. I mean, five point four percent. It definitely felt. But it definitely felt bigger. It had a big. It had a much bigger flavour to it. Bigger nose, bigger flavour. Flavours were incredible. Decent mouthfeel. Yeah. And I'm not really sure, but knowingly, I've had a beer with almond milk in it before. I don't think I ever have. Never. Or, like I said, knowingly anyway. Yeah. So definitely something a little bit different. Yeah. But certainly for me, just to wrap up that little kind of segment in the middle, if you see a Machinistas beer, try it. Well, based on the two we've had, um, definitely, and based on what people thought about their beer at the uh, Manchester Beer and Cider Festival, definitely. Can't go too wrong with that as no. an endorsement, can you, when, you, when your beer flies out. So, we're, we're now on to another Hawk's Head. This is uh, Aitai. Yep. Uh, this is a New Zealand Hot Session Pow, 3.5%. Dropping down because we felt as though we needed a little bit of a cat palate cleanser. Not a palate cleanser, really? as I was about to say. <laughs> palate cleanser. Um, but I think that's not to do it any uh, disservice because I'm getting bags of piney bitterness oh, straight it's away. Doing everything I need it to do right yeah. now. Bags that, of piney bitterness. It's um, it's almost reinvigorating my mouth. Yeah, that's um, that's almost quite. A, I mean, because we both enjoyed the Windermere Pale once we got into it. This is definitely more my kind. Oh, this is this is all me. Three and I'm, a half. I'm per, loving this. Three and a half percent. Six packs of this during the summer in cans. Perfect. Train beer. I would have that. Three, and six. again, quite nice. Look, our version of balance: five point four to three point five. We are perfectly balanced yeah. all over this. So, last few comments uh, on, on on bitter and lingonis. Um Ruth Mitchell at Beer Ferry, who joined us for the last show, having finally managed to listen sober all the way through, I can say that. Uh, all gushing was entirely justified you might want to correct my ice chip maths though when you get a chance uh, presumably that's to Sean that is to Sean yeah, yeah I've, 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 I've no idea no but if there's any maths it's Sean yeah um, so it's fine Sean off you go. Out, yeah. 
Simon Manchester at the Pyman Seven. After listening to Beer O'Clock Show latest podcast, I'm trying a bottle of elderflower and raspberry kombucha. Feel good Feel already. Good already. Well, um, I don't think <laughs> Michael. I don't think would, Michael agrees would, with you. Would definitely agree with you, but maybe there's one to recommend there. And and finally, number one fan makes a comment paul at unrcd uh just catching up with this really interesting idea and obviously roof was in roof involved it was going to going to work uh really enjoy steve's description of the negroni and what it <laughs> that it tasted of hairspray yeah you said it almost straight away didn't you i, I did yeah uh, um i think a lot of people would have loved to have seen the face that accompanied it as as well uh yeah but anyone who saw the uh sour episode there was a couple of bit on there mm, i don't think it was anywhere near that Let's, it, uh, it was similar yeah. Um, SE18 Craft Beer Lovers at SE18CBL. Catching up on the latest Beer Clock Show. Funniest episode in a long time. Currently raiding the kitchen cupboards to find stuff to match with my beer stash. Suggestions for pairing with hosting sauce and a tin of spaghetti hoops. I've got one for the hosting sauce. Okay. I would go with something sharp and sour. Maybe a goose or get. Is it goose you say? Goose. Goes. 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 Thank you. Goes. I'll go for a goes. We're, we're now in pronunciation back, yeah. back tonight, aren't we? <laughs> back on form. Back, back um, on I'd form. Go for, I'd go for a goose. And um, to go with spaghetti hoops, I would go with something a little bit fruity. I'd go for a New England IPA. Oh, see, now I would have said spaghetti hoops. I would have gone for something dark. I would have gone for a porter. Porter and spaghetti hoops? Yeah. Like a proper London porter. Okay. A, bit, a bit of smoke. Well, if there. you uh, decide to try either of those combinations, please let us know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Let us know how that works yeah. for you. <laughs> Um, Graham Meakin at Graham underscore Meakin enjoyed the podcast earlier guys glad you enjoyed the sherry I've always been a massive sherry fan for something a little drier but still with some nutty depth of flavour I'd recommend trying an Amontillo oh, see I, I could have sworn that it said Armadillo when I was reading the notes earlier <laughs> Amontillado that's it it's my personal favourite I still have to say Not that's probably still that the is. only sherry that I enjoy oh is that a sherry yeah okay Shine my I think so, yeah, there. definitely. Okay. Uh, and then finally, um, I'm, well, a little bit, close to it. I'm a little bit behind here, but loving this podcast, uh, Skylark Bruco at Skylark Brew. I mean, we're, I've, I don't know about you, but I'm thrilled to have got so much positive feedback for the last few episodes that we've done. Definitely. I wasn't, I wasn't expecting quite so much to come in. I mean, you know, to be honest, I wasn't sure how the episode was going to go, bearing in mind that we were literally, we, we, there was no research we could do. No, we were just at there at the behest of someone else yeah. who was going to feed us alcohol. Yeah, at least we had the one with Jezza. We both had had we still an act before. We knew what we were doing. And we know about a bit about yeah. Belgian, Belgian stuff. The rest of it was blind. Yeah, but thanks also to Ruth for coming up with the idea. Yeah. And, and for her and Matt getting involved in executing that idea. And it's, it's certainly something that um, we, we could look to revisit in the future. A, again, with... More drinks and beers. Oh, blimey, that was a heavy night, though. It was, well, the pints of ESB after didn't really help. Oh, yeah. Let, let's be honest. <laughs> and yet, there are still questions. Questions, questions, fill my head. There are always questions. So we've got a couple of questions this evening. Uh, first up from Miles Lambert, at Miles Lambert. Uh, my question to Stephen Martin is, can you come up with a drinks part pairing for us to try on others? I have one. I couldn't come up with anything. I really um, couldn't. The, the, you remember the bar, the marble barley wine, 2017, the one which came in the 440 uh, yellow cans? Yellow can, yeah. I would have that pitched against a late harvest muscat desert dessert wine. Oh, okay. They're quite similar in the way they look. They've both got that sweet end of evening profile. 
having it at the end of a meal. Um, that's the two I would do. I'm a big fan of dessert wines anyway, uh, despite my la obvious lack of a sweet tooth at times. But the, the late Harvest Muscat is one of my favourites and the Marble Barley Wine I thought was fantastic when I had that the 2017 it's, it's one I've had a few times now and I'm, I'm I'm happy to have another can that I'm ageing at the moment because I think it's just going to get better and better yeah I've got one can and they're fairly similar strengths as well yeah. they're, not, they're not a million miles away in strength the dessert wine's probably it's going to be bigger than the barley wine but the barley wine's about 12 something see I'm not I, I, I don't really drink a lot outside of beer so it's very difficult for me to su suggest the pairing um, I don't but that's just one in my memory banks like I said it's always been one I've got a, I've got a couple of dessert wines in the cupboard actually and one of them is the Muscat dessert wine okay I might have to do that pairing myself although I did try I've got to admit over Christmas I tried Tesco uh, through their own range put out a coffee cola yeah and I drank that and it was like drinking a coffee porter um, so that that could work yeah yeah it wouldn't be something I'd immediately go for myself no but I was, I was quite, quite would, you, would you suggest that as a pairing for someone then is there a is there a porter you'd put it up against I think the obvious one is going to be um, common grounds yes which is triple coffee porter um, would go very well with that that, that, that Tesco coffee cola mm, there you go He's got two suggestions after all. Who would have thought you would have got to that? Exactly. At this stage of the evening. <laughs> yeah. Have we already answered this one? We, we kind of have, but we haven't answered the bigger question. No. So, um, Paul at UNRCD asked us, what are your thoughts on rebranding? Who has done it well and who hasn't? The rebranding for Northern Monk is my nomination. Love the old branding, but think this is great. Now, I think we were saying earlier on that, yes, the Northern Monk branding is good, but not sure there was really a need for it so yep. trying to think of breweries that have recently gone through some sort of rebranding so fine have recently gone through a rebrand and and i've got to say I'm, i don't know whether i'm blown away by fine owls rebranding i'd go to thank you more obvious magic rock did <sighs> and i'm not sure i'm a fan i'm not sure they needed to i i, I can understand why they've done it because they've bought a lot of their beers in line with some of their special releases. I mean, we said it on the Cannonball Run show last year that the the, 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 the Cannonball, the old Cannonball can looked a bit odd. Yes. Compared to the other cans. And now they've changed it. But I, I, I think I, I know where we're going with this. I, I agree with what you're saying. I don't, I don't think the Magic Rock branding now is as iconic as it was when it was all their little characters I, well yeah I mean I don't think so anyway because I, th I think it was it was that, that that really made Magic Rock what they are but I can't I can't think of any other breweries that have gone through a, a major rebrand to the point where you'd be like wow that's that that's really different well, I think it's one we probably need to give a little bit of thought to, and that's not one we can answer off the cuff. Because I reckon there's probably quite a few. I mean, as we as we hinted at before, Northern Monk, Northern Monk started to do their rebrand without even telling anyone with the badge. Yeah, and nobody noticed it. Yeah, so you know, perhaps there are a few out there which have done some very subtle changes, as well as a full-on rebrand. Yeah, and I mean, Beaver, Beaver Town rebranded a, li re a little bit yeah. as well. And didn't Formbridge? 
I mean, it's slightly different with the... Um, Thornbridge cans are very different from yeah. all of their own um, branding. So I think there's probably, a, uh, if we dig into it, there's probably been more rebranding than we actually think there has been. There is, and, and this may tie into another show that we've got coming up, because a, a, another question that Paul asked as well... Um, so he's never satisfied with one question. No, he has to keep throwing them at us, was um, what is the best can or bottle design that you've seen loving the designs from Ridgeside Brewer especially especially the most recent ones now we've got a we we did a poll on artwork recently um, and we've got a couple of shows coming up actually that are going to focus on the art and artwork side of things um, that we're quite excited about doing actually yeah I think it'd be quite good fun actually Um, so yeah you might have to wait for a bit of a for more of an answer on that one, Paul. You're gonna to have to wait a little while. Yeah, we're quite vague on that one, aren't yeah. we? Yeah, which is uh, that's fine. That, that's fine. He's gonna get. He's almost gonna get a whole show out of that question. Two shows, possibly. Um, we've just opened the final beer. Yeah, uh, so, it feels like we've been drinking for days. Yes, we have. Um, <laughs> it's it's now Tuesday. Um, so this is the the last beer that Hawkshead sent to us. This was the Tonka Shake Imperial Milkshake Stout. I'm presuming. Tonka because it's got the Tonka bean in it. I presume I'm, I'm not a fan. Of Tonka and it, you're bean, not a lover of that, are you? Because it's it's isn't it, it York Brewery that used the Tonka Tonka bean and and Hawk's Head and a few others. And for me, Tonka is very uh, it's very almondy. It's very marzipan, and and they're not really flavours that I'm a massive fan of. Well, I'm not going to say what everything else is. It says on here. Let's uh, close out of our thoughts on this beer straight away. I'm gonna. Now, like you, I'm not a fan of out-and-out marzipan. I'm not getting it quite so much as you. So the description for this, an imperial stout supersized with tonka beans, cacao nibs, and vanilla, which brings you flavours of coconut, almond, bitter cherry, and chocolate. All balanced together with a smooth and sumptuous body from a mixture of speciality grains and lactose. Get your shake on. Um, I'll, I'll give them that in terms of all those flavours it, it ticks every one of those flavours the only one I'm not really getting is the cherry I'm, I'm, I'm maybe getting a little bit of Bakewell tart in there well yeah but then that comes also back with the, the marzipan as well then doesn't it I suppose but there's just this lingering marzipan flavour in my mouth well yeah but it's again I will always maintain as soon as you know there's an aroma or flavour which you don't like once you've spotted it, you can't get rid of it. Yeah, but I called it before you even opened the bottle. Well, there is that. Because <laughs> I, I don't like Tonka. Yes. I don't, I don't, I don't like that. I, I, I actively avoid, avoid beers that's, that, that's got this in it. And that's, that's, but that's not saying it's a bad beer because, like I said, all, all of the flavours that you've listed there, you, you get from this beer. Yeah, I, to it's be honest, just not to my palate. I mean, it wouldn't be one I would actively seek out but I think I've just got a slightly better tolerance level for you for say the marzipan side of it yeah um, but yeah like I said apart from the dark the, the bitter cherry I'm definitely getting bitterness and maybe now you've implanted that, that thought in my head a bit more of that uh, Bakewell tart as well um, it's got bags of different flavours in here there's loads going on um, it has got a bit that very end of it is like a dry bitter chocolate yeah as well um, it definitely it's an end of evening beer. Would have, would have hopefully, I mean, I mean the, the one thing it's lacking for me, maybe at, at 10%, and it being a milkshake stout, I would have hoped for a little bit more body. It, it feels a little bit thin 
for for those two particular labels. I, I know what you're saying, Imperial and Shake. You're expecting. To I'm be expecting honest, something thick. Well, the 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 Machinistas was probably a, felt like a slightly bigger body to yeah. us. Um, but that wouldn't be what I'd mark it down on because I'm not too bothered about not having that viscosity that you sometimes uh, get. I don't know. I'd, I'd, I'd probably mark it down a little bit on that. But um, interesting beer to come out from. Hallstead I always associate very much with their pale, sessionable, more traditional, more traditional yeah. beers. Um, even with the ones when they do the, do use uh, the new world hops and stuff. So for me, this is something very different that I've had from them. Yeah, me, me too. I've, I've not had anything like this. Before. Yeah. So, you know, thanks to Hawkshead, thanks uh, to Machinistas for sending the beers down to us for the for the show. Really enjoyed. Very, very much appreciated. Yeah. And, and I think um, that probably brings our first show of, of 2019 to a close. Yeah. Um, I think we've already given away a few bits about what we're doing in upcoming weeks. And... We, we have. And, and if I'm completely honest, we don't know what we're doing on the next show yet. No, but the next one will be a traditional, again, studio-based yes. show. show. Yeah. Um, at March, we break out a little bit again. And we'll do a few... A few, few different ones, bit, yeah. but yeah, we've got a few things in the pipeline. Um, so I hope you've enjoyed the return to the studio-based show. Um, and on that note, Steve, cheers, cheers. cheers.